What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Bandwagon Nerds is taped in front of a live studio audience. Thank you and thank you. Hello again, fellow basement dwellers. This is your good friend Patrick O'Dowd welcoming you in to the 98th edition of Bandwagon Nerds. And kids, this episode is special because this episode's got some balls. Well, maybe not balls, but at least a balaz. That's right. We got a special guest today. The live studio audience couldn't make it. The plat signal failed. And so making his debut on the bandwagon is AJ Balaz himself. Sir, welcome to the bandwagon. I'm so happy to have you. I don't care that the other two are on the show. I mean, that's how I feel whenever I'm on DWI or pod as well. I'm kidding. No, it's good to be here. Like I said, you gave me you said the plat uh, signal didn't work. Tunny couldn't answer the phone, so you know you got to get Boy Wonder out there, and there you I go. answered. See, and he he even got himself a nerdy nickname right off the bat. Now I saw a look of indignation over from the Reverend Mister Raymond J. Cashington Esquire. When did you become an Esquire? By the way, I I uh, I missed that. Is it like you know Bill S. Preston Esquire? I was, I'm born with it, sir. I, you did a lot of part. I'm part of the royal family. I'm 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 related to Meghan Markle. Black people taking over the taking over the queendom. Okay. Okay. Um, studio. Hey, what do you, you think? My, yeah, no, they don't. They don't whatever. Like they don't hey, like you. Xenophobia. Xenophobia. Okay. Don't hate me because I'm British royalty. And by the way, when y'all find out that shit is real, y'all gonna laugh. That's okay. As long as I know that I'm still your favorite oppressor, I don't mind. Oh, Any, yeah. Thank you. I'm glad I'm proud <laughs> to be it. Speaking of wonderful human beings, the guy who took all the fun out of one of my bullet points for this week's episode before I even got to talk about it, the lawyer himself, David Ungar. Yeah, I, I don't know how to feel about that. I, I, I was ready to rag on Marvel and Disney all over again, and, and he took all the fun away. 
in one fell DM. Sorry, man. Actually, you're the article. You, Are you sorry? No, but the article you linked to actually took all the fun away from it. Cause I, the more I read it and watch videos, cause they were coming in all day. I was like, eh, this is all, I mean, we'll talk. We'll save it. It's one of your bullet points. We can save it. But yeah, Ray, the Texas State Bar called me the other day asking if I had any knowledge about a Raymond Cashington Esquire. And I said, cool. oh, yeah, Ray's the best attorney in Texas. Well, look, that's what I see. That's that's I'm glad my dollar fifty on retainer is doing wonders. My boy. Trifity. I appreciate that. <laughs> Damn lock. <laughs> that's right now now ray i am a little i feel like you need to add like the third to the end of your name like raymond j cashington the third esquire let's just get all of the suffixes added to your to your name i mean i, I already feel indignant with the j and the esquire you want to just add it more with the third you are i mean you gave Why a look of indignation when i talked up our special guest and so that's i'm just fair. i'm feeling you know his first time on the bandwagon helping us host and you're all like eh? oh no no i'm i'm happy aj is here that's my boy just, I just, just consider yourself a fixture you're a fixture i'm used to you okay but you know it's nice to be appreciated every now and then you know like I appreciate for example you. you're my favorite you just said you're my favorite oppressor right so when the race right war happens i'm coming to save you thank you i appreciate that yeah all three of y'all yeah, y'all got a pass okay all right all right Excellent, excellent. Um, I thank you again last week, fellas, for filling in while I was out. Though, you know, I I said in a tweet that maybe like missing two episodes was my limit, and I'm starting to think that I overestimated how many episodes I can miss because it turned into fucking bandwagon after dark within a minute uh, of bandwagon nerds. The next thing I know, we're talking about I don't know, something to do with like plus size ladies and I I don't know guys like I know that there's like two women who listen to this show and they're like our wives but like <laughs> what like can we can we not have the gate completely closed I I mean AJ might be looking for a lady and this could be the opportunity maybe what? a second lady or a third lady AJ's, AJ's married I, it feels like it practically no side but dish no. like just because you've already ordered doesn't mean you can't keep looking at the menu what Great, and then she's gonna watch this and be like, "Okay, what's going on here?" <laughs> so, now she's the third. so, so now we've got three ladies that watch this show. Well, you can squarely Progress. put the blame for that train wreck on the two members of the bandwagon who are not here today because they started all that shit. Right. So, who do I entrust with the keys to the castle when I am not around? Dave and I tried our best. Yeah. We tried so that's, hard. Yeah, that's why it feels like the two uh, here. You kept making those Margot Kidder jokes as if as if that was going to stop she's the not, conversation. She's not a plus size lady. She's just nah, there. she's a minus size. Lady. She's just she's there. Like a <laughs> barely, a there, barely there. Barely there. I, I gotta keep doling out thank yous though before we get into the show. I gotta thank you guys. So pulling back the curtain for all of you noble listeners. We are starting we, we usually record on Sunday afternoons at like two o'clock. And I messaged the bandwagon asking very nicely if we could record a little bit later today at 2.30. Uh, and it was for a very, very important reason. And it was because today, I don't know if you guys know this, marks the 35th anniversary of the animated Transformers movie being, th being in theaters. And so it was released as a special event. So I did like the nerdiest thing ever and came to Bandwagon Nerds' recording session late so that I could go watch the 
re-release of a movie I currently own in my house on Blu-ray on a giant screen because there's nothing quite as beautiful as the song You Got the Touch on in just giant Dolby surround sound. And jumping into the nostalgia train, I loved it. Yeah, Ray, uh, AJ, I don't, I'm not sure. Dave, I know... You're 900 years old, so you probably were like those damn kids and their transformers. I don't understand what's going on, but like, but like Ray, AJ, do you, you have any thoughts or feelings about the transformers? Is your only knowledge about them in regards to like Shia LaBeouf? Um, because if it is, I'm sorry, um, and that's too bad. <laughs> so Shia LaBeouf, Shia LaBeouf movies were good. They were enjoyable. No, no, they're they're, they're not. They're not they're gonna, gonna win any Oscars, but you can watch them and turn your brain off and enjoy. No, them. you can watch. You can watch one of them. You can watch the first one. The first two. The third one's garbage. Oh, all the stupid dick and ball jokes, like every five seconds, like in the second one. The only thing in the second Transformers movie that Michael Bay gave us that was dope is the scene with Optimus fighting the three Decepticons in the forest, like with the yeah. fucking sword and shit. That scene yeah. was amazing. The rest of that movie's trash, man. I mean, it's not Rise of Skywalker bad, but it's pretty bad. Well, we've it, look. If you have your bandwagon nerds approved, Rise of Skywalker already three minutes into the show. Drink. Well, AJ's. I already. Ha- I mean, we we before we even get into the agenda, we have to kind of gatekeep AJ anyway, and start. That's true. Uh, we need to understand your stance on the new Star Wars trilogy, and specifically, which movie do you dislike more, Rise of Skywalker, or um, Last Jedi? Uh, Last Jedi or Force ah. Awakens, I guess you could throw that in there. Too. Yeah, yeah. We, I mean, which one's the worst? I guess if, if you don't which like one? Force Awakens, I love you, man. But like, I can't take your, I can't take your your opinion. No, no, seven was good. I'm not, uh, seven to me was probably the best in there, in my opinion. But uh, which one was the Last Jedi? The eighth one, right? Yeah, the middle yes. one. Yeah, I'm gonna have to go with that one. It just it right. just seemed like it was a filler in there, just thrown in. And I'm like, mm, no, no, too much. AJ, success. Yes, good, good job, Ray. Good job. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, that'll do it for AJ Belaz on this week's edition of Words. Thank you so much for coming onto the show. We'll never have you again. Record time, yo. Record time. Hey. Thanks for playing. Your parting gifts. We do, we, do have, we do have quite a bit. We do have quite an agenda in front of us. Of course, we do have to review episode seven of What If. We have the season premiere of Doom Patrol. HBO Max dropped the first three episodes. We're going to cover episodes one and two this week because I personally struggle to cover more than than one or two episodes and particularly with doom patrol such a dense show that i just um i just think it's it doesn't we don't do episodes justice when we have to try and cram like three of them into into a segment and so i will say on the bright side at least with the first two i haven't watched the third one yet i do think these first two are are probably going to be the easiest to kind of cover uh, because they, they don't really seem to do too, too much. Even though, Dave, I know you said things are fucked up. I'm hoping that you were meaning that you watched all three and it was like episode three that was like all fucked up. Nah, we haven't. I don't know, man. We're at where two ends up is pretty messed up. The whole damn series is pretty messed uh, up. That'll be okay. And then yesterday, uh, we record this on Sunday. So yesterday, Saturday, nin- uh, Nintendo Netflix had an event. 
on Netflix called Tadum because Oh ha, I get it. Yeah, there you go. Just now just figured that out. What does that shit mean? Yeah. God damn I, I, I didn't say it out loud. I was thinking, like, what the fuck does that mean? Wow. Well done. And so they dropped a, a bunch of trailers, some footage, some good stuff. Uh, they also they they also made the news a little earlier this week with some uh, it looks like some um, rights that they're trying to to gain for some new content. So we'll talk about that after the second break. Apparently, we we got some Nintendo movie news uh, that, frankly, I'm a little surprised has taken this long to happen. And we'll wrap it up with just a reminder to everyone here, even though Dave poo-pooed it, Disney and Marvel are still a bunch of dicks. That is really just kind of what we need to grow and accept. So that that's the plan. And we're just going to dive right to it. We're going to start by hitting that Marvel music and talking a little what if. Gentlemen, I've been watching What If, and I think it's been really interesting because we talked about this two weeks ago the last time I was here. First two episodes were kind of like fun, almost like very positive sort of uplifting episodes. And then it progressively got just darker and darker and darker and darker and darker for the next four. And so What If kind of head faked me a little bit as we come into... This what if storyline of what if Thor was an only child, meaning that instead of taking Loki home with him, Odin returns Loki to the Frost Giants, thus resulting in Thor being an only child and Loki being raised amongst his people. And we get this story of Thor being just kind of a bro, an Asgardian bro who looks to skirt responsibility to every opportunity and throw parties everywhere. And his parties are so intense that hell yeah, that they, that they lead to the destruction of planets and erasing stars and some crazy shit. Uh, I was impressed. They got Natalie Portman to come back and voice Jane Foster, uh, which was cool. Chris Hemsworth was back to do his voice work for, for Thor. Uh, but before we really get into all of that, and we'll make Dave go last, because every time I ask Dave what he thinks of an episode, he can't just say whether he likes it or not. He's got to ruin like the whole thing by describing everything that happens. So we'll save you for last, Dave, so that you can ruin it last. Uh, and we'll go with our guest. AJ, your thoughts on this storyline. What if Thor was just a big dude, bro, destroying planets? Well, I mean, it makes enough sense. Even when we saw him from the first Thor movie, where, you know, he has him drinking the coffee and he's like, oh, yeah, this is good. Another. And he just slams the mug down and everything. It just makes sense that the entire time, since he doesn't have a way to control himself with Loki, he just goes out on a binge, drinks, destroys worlds, decides randomly to have a party in Vegas. But, hey, it makes enough sense. You get Loki in as an ice giant as well in this as well. So... He's not forgotten. He's still in there. But 
it makes sense. It makes enough sense, especially alluding to how they had him originally portrayed in the first movie. So I like it. I like that they, like you said, Pat, they brought back Natalie Portman to be Jane. They even have Tom Hiddleston still being Loki in the frost giant form. So everything just came together. It was perfect, and it made enough sense. And then the ending... Yeah, it makes also sense as well, Ultron. <laughs> we're we're gonna get to that ending in a second, because um, yeah, we can't we can't ignore that. Raymond Cashington, the third Esquire. Yes, sir. It your thoughts on, on on Bro Thor? So, um, Thor easily was my least favorite of the main Marvel characters until Ragnarok, because. While I knew how important he was, and I thought he was played fantastically well, it didn't resonate with me until Thor became funny. Because Thor almost felt like a parody who didn't understand he was the joke. Ragnarok changed that to where he understood he was the joke. But when it came down to it, I'll still be your ass. That makes sense to, to you guys. Which then made that, that invested me in the character a little more. So when I first saw well, what if Thor was the only child? I groaned so hard. I was like, I gotta watch this shit because I'm gonna watch it. But it's gonna be, yeah. <laughs> How and many times they drag you kicking and screaming to stuff? A lot, a lot. And uh, and I thank you. For, like, I'll we joke a lot here, and you you we all know we're we're good friends. I I I truly thank you guys so much for taking me out of my comfort zone and so much things. And that's that's a shoot because I would have watched this anyway because you know it's Marvel. But there's so many things that I, I, I get involved with or I watch or I ingest now that I never would have if you guys wouldn't have said do it or we're covering shit like that. But anyway, I was invested soon as things got down, right? Seeing his relationship with uh, Odin and they take advantage of the Odin sleep and Frigga got the fuck out of there. And she was like, OK, Thor, be good. And like, you know, your son, right? Like, you know what he's going to do. Um, and how they tricked Heim- that's the funniest part of the whole thing is to me is Heimdall sees all, so we're gonna go to Midgard because nobody gives a fuck about Midgard. So like and right, that's nobody cares about this place. Yeah. Um, but no, the, the parties getting bigger and bigger and bigger were hilarious. The fact that everybody we've seen in what if so far made a basically made all the um appearances. Shout out to Howard and Darcy Duck. Appreciate the those, very I hope those kids beautiful. make it. You know, like, hey, love survives all, okay? I'm um, really disappointed. If, if there's one reason I'm sad that PC Tony isn't here today is because of that little piece, because there's a relate, like, there's a pre-existing relationship between Howard the Duck and Leah Thompson's character from from the, the George Lucas 80s movie yep. that mm-hmm. those kids, like, there's some there's some conflict there, but... Well, this this Kat Dennings came back as the voice of Darcy too, if I'm not mistaken. Like she, yeah, she, she did. She did Darcy. So everybody major was back except for uh, Brie. Everybody, because you know yeah. Maria Hill, Frank Grillo, uh, yep. Sam Jackson did the small little bit where he got knocked into whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I I appreciated that Loki and Thor were friends. So right. like the only reason they weren't cool was because he was jealous of him the whole time. Nothing to be jealous about. We're big homies now. Like stuff like that was cool to me. Um, and I, I, it's hilarious that 
we've seen this is the second episode now we've seen them call Captain Marvel fast as hell. And then in real life, it took literally destruction of the entire universe to call her. Like right. they called her to stop Thor from starting parties on Earth. Like, well, I mean, he was going to destroy Earth, but uh, look, by accident, like, yeah, yeah, it was, the, yeah. So, all right, Dave, lay it on us, brother. Nah, I got nothing, man. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, oh, stop. <laughs> it was like Dave with nothing. It was what? like the MCU met Animal House or Van Wilder or American Pie right. in this episode. It was just. <laughs> Thor Belushi, yeah, Thor, Thor Belushi, Thor Belushi, or 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 That's... he could wait. I got it. He could be the Thor Meister instead of the Stiff Meister. He could be the Thor Meister. I like it. Uh, it but it, they they did make a they made a teen comedy. They did for this episode. This basically, episode was basically. it was just about partying, about bet, letting loose, about you know uh, Jane Foster having a basically some casual sex with Thor. I mean that was the context. Um. But it's a fun episode. I mean, there's no doubt about that. And, and yeah, it's like Thor and Loki are like it's like RK Bro or something. They they're not they're not friends, Ray. They're bros. I kept waiting for Loki to say bro because that's what it's, it just seemed like to be. Loki Loki and Randy Orton have a lot in common. Yes, let's put it like that. Yeah, yes. that's like true. And Thor and Matt Riddle probably a bit in common as well a lot in common there too yes so you know it's it's a very fun episode and, and yeah it's like you're saying pat they they started early in the thing with like some more serious takes on things and more feel-good episodes then they drug you down as low as you could go uh and, and now they're kind of lifting you back up again to at least until the very last scene of this where you're like oh fuck what does that mean um so right it, it was it was a very fun episode yeah party thor is just, the boy, the boys literally I, took the Ferris wheel from them from the Thames River and were like rolling their bits down yeah. the ocean. Yeah. They took the Gateway Arch, flipped it over, and were like, like they were tripping, man. Like, what did um uh Sertor was trying to holler at the uh, uh, uh holler at the Statue of Liberty and mm-hmm. cut her arm off? Like, it's just so. And then he like walks away, like, oh, oh. I, yeah. I imagine they it, must have had a lot of fun getting that kind of like whiteboard to make this episode where Marvel oh, yeah. said, just go drop a hit of acid and write this episode because <laughs> this this will be really good. Well, I don't even know that you needed to take a, a drop of acid when there's so much out there that you could see that, that they paid homage to. Like, you know, we're talking about teen comedies. The, the last you know, f- five minutes or so when Thor's trying to, when he knows Frigga's on her way and he knows that he's got to clean up earth. I went immediately to the old eighties movie, risky business. And I went to Ferris Bueller's <laughs> day off where Tom Cruise is desperately trying to fix the house before the parents get home for the, or the end of weird science when the house like is fixing itself as the parents slowly make their way in um there it was just such a great homage to that genre of film can we just appreciate the fact that you just said thor had to clean up earth like yeah not a like city not like all of earth <laughs> he I, fixed, I just like i just he like fixed the, the leaning tower of pizza and then it was had it leaned back over it was like yeah it's just fantastic yeah. stuff. I'm sorry. The only, the only thing I really wanted to see happen was a la Risky Business. If you remember, the, 
Tom Cruise fixes the house, right? Parents come home, and I can't remember what it is. The mom sees something, like a small chip or a crack in this egg that he's been trying to like preserve and protect and she kind of loses it on him like i just wanted that little moment like friggin' milner milner when he calls milner milner and it's it all, had it's all blinged out basically oh, that's all like put it up yeah yeah you're right you're right blinged out you got me that's true um good catch so the end so Thor goes back and asks for a proper date with Jane Foster, which I thought this was going to be one of those what if, because the what if comics, and I don't know how many of you ever actually read a what if, what if comics. One of the things I've always found really interesting is that in a lot of those comics, the what if sort of resolves with things going in a direction that is similar to what you're familiar with within the MCU. So like, it does the, the path that it takes to get to, from point A to point B isn't the same, but the result is often similar or the same. And in this case, I was like, oh, this is actually kind of a true homage. And then Ultron, but not really Ultron, because it's vision inside of an Ultron body. So it's the the it's the, the question is, is it Ultron achieving the vision body like he wanted to do in Age of Ultron? Or is it Vision gone bad with all the Infinity Stones about to enter a world of pain uh, on Earth? I hated this ending because it felt very sort of random and shoehorned. Like, I didn't see it coming. And so I guess that's the first thing I'll ask you guys. Were there hints that I missed that that there was a direction that I didn't catch? Because I didn't catch it. In this episode or in the what if world problem in this episode like there's the infinity stones have shown up all over the place in what ifs uh, you know previous what ifs there's been teases for ultron in previous what ifs but in this particular episode no you didn't miss anything but i think that was kind of the point you know much like a swerve win in a wrestling match they you get misdirected so hard your brain completely tunes out of what could happen negative we had gone through all this ridiculousness, and you. There's a reason. So we criticize this is pop for the way they structured their episodes. There's a reason Marvel structured What If this way. The two fun episodes at the beginning, the first episode with Peggy Carter, got everybody's attention. T'Challa, great thing, rest in peace, Chadwick Boseman. Then it's dark, 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 and then you come back with Party Thor. All of this was done. It feels like, in a, in a way, to misdirect you. From realizing the the proper point of what if is that like shit gets bad if you don't do what's in the proper universe, right? That's what it it kind of ends up being. And so while nothing in this episode would have led you to think that things could have gotten this bad, because even the 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 earth being destroyed because of partying is like bad, but it's not like what you would think is bad, right? And him and Captain Marvel having this epic fight. Yeah, it was bad, but it was like it was fun bad, like almost Looney Tunes-esque bad. And then, oh yeah, that's right. Real bad things happen because Ultron's here. The bigger question to me is, who created Ultron? Well, it's just, it's, I mean, <laughs> you got you got three terrible things going on wrong all at the same time at the end. You got a bunch of Ultron showing up. Ultron has got the Infinity Stones embedded into him. 
And then you find out it's really vision underneath all of that. So it's like, this is like the worst case scenario you could possibly want as far as like a, a resurrection of Ultron on some level. So I, I mean, when I saw that at the end of the first thing I said, I was like, Oh shit. And I get now why Tony was saying that this is the one episode he'd really want to see continued more than any of the other ones, because right. it's like, wow, that really, because I mean, you know, we've, we said it on here numerous times that the way age of Ultron was done, uh, didn't sit well with a lot of us because they didn't have the rights to do it properly. And, and now you kind of wonder, are, are they, and this is kind of like, we've, we've talked about it since we've been covering what if, would they use this as a vehicle to maybe introduce new characters? Well, here they actually use it as a vehicle to perhaps reintroduce a variation of a character that we thought got the short end of the stick. Well, remember, Dave, there are two visions. Yeah. Right. So the white vision who well, in the you're assuming parallel you're assuming the same universe though no no right 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 i'm no i know this is all different but i'm saying is that in the proper universe we know the white vision could turn out to become another version of ultron because the one thing we've seen about ultron in every every facet of everything he's ever been written in is he's never gone he'll always re he got thrown into the sun and still reprogrammed himself into something so to your point dave We've been wondering, will something like this maybe not carry over, but prepare our minds for what could be going for future? This is a, it's a possibility because yeah. it's sitting right there. And think about it. I mean, Ultron was supposed to be the basically the finished product of Ultron. They were trying. He was trying to download his consciousness into Ultron yeah. anyway. So this is here's how this would have played out if the product had been finished. And here you go. Oh, shit. He's got all the he is a living infinity gauntlet. That's terrifying. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, without a doubt. But I, going back to what Ray said, especially with the What If series, it's who actually made Ultron since Tony probably didn't have the, no pun intended, vision to oh. do all of this. What if it wasn't Tony? What if it was maybe even Thanos so he can get all the Infinity Stones? Or what if another character or something like that? So that, that also can bring into it I do, however, like the fact that Ultron's back reintroduced as a 100% complete Ultron instead of just what we got for age. And this can go forward like we like we all alluded to. It went fun-hearted, light-hearted episode, light-hearted episode. Holy shit, why the hell are we dark and killing off everyone? Oh my god, we're partying now. So this definitely has to do with it's trying to do a misdirection i know whole multiverse theory things branch off hence the what if series it's made for the sorry about that <laughs> you're good pat but you know this is branching off into something else and maybe the next one is what if ultron's not stopped or something like that or what it there's so many things that you can do like i said i don't think the one division version of everything is in like the white vision and the vision that we know and all that is involved because that's in that universe i don't know if we're still in say universe a and it's mm. we're all the way in like universe zappa but... <laughs> that's that's a good point um and i just the whole reason you heard uh heard something kick in there is i was trying to see if uh 
an episode title or information had been released yet on our good friends at IMDb and it decided to automatically load a video. I didn't see any description there. I know Disney's usually pretty good a, a day or so out. So maybe we'll, we'll learn uh, a little bit about what's next. Cause it does it. I get, and maybe that's another reason why I felt like I didn't care for this episode as much as I've cared for other ones. It felt kind of, it just felt shoehorned in, in, in sort of the, at least in my opinion, with, with, everything else that they were doing uh, in this particular episode. There was just, there was so much there uh, to look at and um, who knows, maybe we'll, we'll find out more when we come back next week. Uh, And I didn't just, I just realized this, we will be wrapping up. What if on our 100th episode fellas. Mm. It's just, it's amazing. Special. That, that timing worked out. It's a it, please join us on a very special bandwagon nerds. <laughs> uh, anyway, I, I couldn't come up with some heart, you know, wrenching '90s storyline that that made a lot of sense to to fill in with the very special bandwagon nerds. That's going to do it for this week's uh, what if though. We are going to shift gears and go over to our good friends at HBO and do a DC show, which. Is this, our first, is this our first DC Comics show that we've covered? I think so. Yes. yes yeah. And is. so I don't think I'm trying no, to think back at anything else. No. No. We've y'all never done. covered Titans. Y'all never covered the Arrowverse. No. Yeah. Who would do that? <laughs> wow. So by right, the way, wow. by the way, Titans this season is fan. Fantastic. I think the reality here, fellas, is that we could we could literally do a show where we just review shows. I mean, that that <laughs> that's possible. There's too many shows to watch, and it's just it's just it is what it is. But Tony has been talking up in particular, and Ray as well. This show, Doom Patrol. Uh, Tony, I, I'm gonna be honest, Ray. Tony more than you. Like Tony yeah. was really like the driving force. If you guys got to watch the show, you got to check the show. I think you'd really like it. We like this. We like that. And Dave, I think was the last one to actually get caught up uh, on watching Doom Patrol. Um, but we got to a point where we have caught up with seasons one and two. We're not going to cover seasons one and two here on the bandwagon, but season three dropped its first three episodes this week. Like I mentioned at the opening, we're going to cover one and two today. We're going to do three and four next week, and then it's going to become the show of choice for bandwagon nerds as we head towards, uh, was it Lock and Key or The Witcher? Who's next? Lock and Key? Lock and Key's next. Is October. So, And by then, hopefully Ray will have watched Lock and Key and be all caught up and, and be ready to go on that one. start yet, Ray? Sure. Damn it. On or did you watch no. Flash Gordon first? Because if you watch Flash Gordon first, I at least understand. Or did you watch Look, The Witcher? Okay. Uh, fucking Flash Gordon. Uh, the Lock and Key shit. I still gotta watch WrestleMania 2. Like, and my God. Witcher. And The Witcher, too. And, oh my... Look, okay. Flight of the Navigator? You haven't watched Flight of the Navigator yet, either, did well, you? Well, why you think I didn't do the... I didn't do the damn... Uh, the nerve review. Uh, oh, my God. <laughs> nerve review? You just didn't reply... To anything when I asked about the nerd Pretty review, much. just oddly enough, just silent. You Pretty know who much. found time to watch Flight of the Navigator and get a review in on time? Who's that? David Ungar. Yeah. But see, look, 
They, you know, they, you, know they wrote his, you know who wrote his nerd review at 10 p.m. on a Wednesday to email to Greg DeMarco by midnight? Who's that? I mean, this guy right here. This guy right here. <laughs> well, look look at you professionals. I'm so proud of y'all. Plus I've, wa- but, I've, plus, I've watched that movie so many times as a kid that I didn't need to watch it again. Here's my question. I know we're doing Lock and Key in October, and I'm fine with that. Okay, I'll be, I'll be good by the time that starts. Are we reviewing Hawkeye in November? Christ, I don't know, dude. <laughs> no, no, that's not good enough for me. I'll give you a spoiler a alert, Ray. Of course we are. You know, come better. On. You don't, Look, Patrick. Y'all he's going to. He's going Because here's what's going to happen. I'm going to miss a fucking episode. I'm going to be like, no, we can't do this, and you're just going to do it anyway. So, right. like, right. see, pretty much. I I know that I'm not in charge here. I know that you guys have usurped the show. That you have taken what was mine, and. Held it in your hands like a little baby and just crushed it. It's just like that that pottery wheel scene in Ghost, man. We're just forming, <laughs> we're just forming stuff a little bit here, you know. Oh, God, you're forming. Wow. Stuff. All right, right. while you're fucking over Pat, <laughs> let's get to Doom Patrol. That was the when segue. We, Pottery wheel. You know. it, yes. Because you, you basically exasperated me to the point where I was like, okay, I'm done with this business. So let's get to it. Let's get to the end of season two. Let's let's catch ourselves up first. When we last see the, the group, they're in a really bad way. Uh, Jane has been basically usurped from within um, by another consciousness. We have our suspicions as to, what? Miranda. Yes. Not Miranda. Uh, yes. Well, I mean, we don't yes. we know that now, but I'm just trying to get context. Yes. Are you sure? The rest of the group has gone to confront the candle maker and is left in a really, really bad way encased in wax, with the exception of um Niles Calder's daughter, and what's her name? I, I always forget her name, too. Are you actually asking? Okay, I was going to say, are yeah, you I'm actually asking, asking you, That's all I'm asking for, though, is I'm just asking for the name. Dorothy, as David Dorothy. Says. Like the band, Pat. <laughs> like the band. You'll all know that come Tuesday when you listen to Chair Shot Radio. <gasps> I know, that's a tease. Anyhow, she is confronting the candle maker and is confined in a cage and it looks like things are going to go pretty badly for her the entire doom patrol everything's in chaos and then we get into this that's basically where we pick up episode one season of season three and if there's one thing i that drives me nuts and this is a total pet peeve so i'm going to own this is when a season ends with this like fairly significant cliffhanger and then basically resolves itself in an episode. And that's what happened here. And I, I don't like that. So, Dave, I'll start with you this time. 
we're going to just, we're unpacking. I know you're going to blend the two episodes together, though I don't know that you really can. It's kind of distinctive. But episode one, your thoughts um, on just what something I just felt was resolved all too easily. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. They, they seem to just kind of resolve it as in, instead of Dorothy confronting and conquering the candle maker, she befriends him. And now he's an ally. And okay. I think most of the episode was really you had to come to terms with the fact that Niles finally died and everybody's trying to come to terms with that in their own way, because as much of a piece of shit as Niles was, there's still a lot of feelings of admiration from everybody in the Doom Patrol towards him. So uh, it really seemed like the episode was more about trying to kind of cope and address what was going on, their feelings about everything. And then of course you get this, whatever the hell's going on at the end that I'm sure we'll get to, which carries over into the second episode. But that's, that's kind of, I, I agree with you that it seemed almost anticlimactic, like, Oh, they're friends. Now everybody's unwaxed and on we go to the next aspect of the story arc where we're going and miles is gone and, 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 and Jane prevails and, you know, Cliff is just Cliff and fucked up and his body's failing. His mechanics are failing and, and, and <laughs> cyborgs just an emotional wreck. So yeah, it's, they resolved one aspect of it, but a lot of stuff was progressing and going on from there. We'll go in reverse order. So Ray cash, you'll, you'll go next. What are, what were your thoughts on episode one of doom patrol episode one, season three? See, I, I had a bigger problem with Jane resolving her issue than with the right. That bothered me a lot because that was two week, two seasons in the making, and then all of a sudden, boom, we just do this. Like I didn't like that. Um, the Candlemaker made sense to me because the entire reason the Candlemaker came out was because the Candlemaker was given to her to protect her when she became a woman, aka got her period. Right. So he, the Candlemaker, was always in the, under the control of uh, Dorothy. She just lost control because she was stuck in I'm still a kid mode, which is what Niles was trying to save her from, which is why he kept her in the basement of one of Danny's uh, buildings. So when that got resolved by her saying, you work for me, the whole reason you're here is because you're with me. So let's work together. That made sense to me. I, it was always, you know, sometimes you have a you have, you know, for every vulture you have or for every Joker or for every Thanos, you have a male Keith. I just like the candle maker felt like a male Keith to me. Like, yeah, he won, but only because the person who could beat him didn't try to beat him. Um, but the Jane thing bothered me. Like, not enough to not to not like the episode. I knew she had to get over it, but the fact that it, we knew it wasn't Miranda going towards the end of the season, right? Well, at least the the viewers did. But for the for the person portraying Miranda to be found out not to be actually daddy, but to be the actual sickness that caused her to be sick. And then all of a sudden, bing, bang, boom, we're done in like 30 minutes. Hmm. I appreciate that we're going to actually get a chance to see Kate a lot more now instead of just being stuck in a room playing with the doll or doing the puzzle. But like, come on, man, that's such a huge character arc to be like, hey, guys, let's move it on now. You know? I, and I will say the sweetest thing of the entire episode was while everybody hated Niles, they all loved him in a certain way. And I really, truly appreciate from just like a 
good things happen situation that Dorothy wouldn't bury him until Jane came back. That was right. very sweet to me, right? Knowing how how much it took for them to get on the same page because they hated each other for the longest. So that was really cool. Um, the Cliff stuff, we'll get deeper into it. The fact that a robot may have Parkinson's because everything in him is robot except for his brain is dark. And uh, we haven't talked about the negative spirit leaving Larry or yep. taking him to space. So, like, there's so much that happened here. Um, not a whole lot consequential. Got more consequential in the second episode. But right. the Candlemaker was just like, eh. It was very much a foundation laying episode, and I'm okay with foundations being laid. I just, it's all, it's such a, it's kind of a tropey thing. If I, if I were to, if I were to just like, when you look at television, like, especially when you consider, and we'll talk about this when we get to episode two, we basically got the exact same cliffhanger at the end of episode two that we got at the end of season two. Uh, and that's to me that's problematic. Uh, AJ, what do you think? Well, as we said before we started recording, I haven't watched this yet. I'm now interested because of how everyone's gauging the season opener for season three. So right. I'm definitely gonna have to give it a look see now because I'm kind of like what you are, Pat, where I like character development, but I don't like things getting resolved instantly or as soon as oh yeah, we're done with this, we're gonna go to the next one. I don't like that either because it just seems rushed in my opinion. Right. I'm that way. It's the way I describe it. Yeah. And, and to of, be fair, things are getting rushed immediately because there's so much more bullshit happening the next five minutes. Which is understandable. Right. And, and I will say, I definitely think this is worth your time to check out, AJ. I definitely think it's worth your time to jump on HBO Max. They're, they're only like eight or nine episode long seasons. So it's a very brief, like it's an HBO season. So yeah. It's it's one of those things. It is it is bonkers. It is all over the place. Uh, it is definitely like the dark, twisted recesses of the creative team at DC that that put this together, uh, put this show together. But it, it makes for very compelling entertainment. The things that I saw out of this first episode is it's really about reinforcing the familial bond between our protagonists, right? Like this is the first. And this is the other thing about Doom Patrol that while I like, I don't always like, is that there's always this build them up as a unit, tear them down, build them back up as a unit, tear them down, build them back up. Like they're they're never quite all together or once they get all together and feel like they're in a sense of we care for each other and we want to be part of this unit, that then we have to do something to break it all apart. And using that, that's how I'm going to actually leapfrog into episode two because, you know, Niles' death, is sort of this this thing that they're all still coping with come episode two and they're all the de- oh shit i can't go to episode two yet because we have to talk about the two big things that popped up at the end of episode one the key that niles leaves rita yeah. that opens the door to a strange phone that she doesn't answer uh the appearance of madame rouge uh out of this what I can only describe as a vehicle she stole from Mole Man of yeah. Fantastic Four. And, and then you get the the realization that uh, Niles' quote-unquote buddy-not-buddy has taken his head and still has possession of Niles' spirit and said, the world is not done with you yet. So whoop-de-doo, Basil, or in this case, David, 
What does it all mean? You're asking me. This show's batshit crazy. It could mean a hundred thousand different things. I, you know, if I had to guess, Kipling having his head is probably some way that they're going to use to resurrect Niles and bring him back. I, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, Madame Rouge is, and then she's got, I guess, I mean, we're going to talk about that in episode two, but did I see it correctly? She's got shape-shifting capabilities, right? Cause she yeah, that is her ability. She yeah. can assume the form of anything. So uh, yeah, it, it ended on a very strange note, and you got me, man. I mean, this show is, is out of all the shows we've reviewed in nearly 100 episodes now. This one is the most... By far the most unpredictable as far as just what the hell is going to happen next and how are they going to present it to you? So what does it all mean, Basil? I have no idea. All right. Well, then, Ray, whoop de doo Ray. What does it all mean? There's something that happens in episode three. and I don't want to give it away because I know Patrick hasn't seen it. AJ, you haven't seen none of this shit. I'm sure Dave has, but... We're gonna talk about I, it. Next I haven't seen this one yet, so I kind of left Whoa. it off. I left it off because so, I knew so we were doing one and two, and I thought, well, gotcha. you know, let's leave it. Gotcha. Some people can wait. <laughs> kind of like how you can wait to watch Flash Gordon, but yeah, of course, yeah. I'm Heaven like can wait. Flash so Gordon. Flash Gordon. He really uh, can't. I uh, ah. but something happened. <laughs> well done. But something there's something that happens particularly in that episode that you can tell is possibly going to lead to the whole Niles maybe being brought back. And I'll leave that as a teaser for the next. Same thing with Madame Rouge. Is that her name, right? Madame Rouge, yep. And, and episode three. Like, episode three was a very expositional episode, which is why they stopped it there. Um, but in terms of just speaking on what we know now to this point, episode one, we're not even in episode two yet. Um there's always more happening in that world than even Doom Patrol knows. And I found it very interesting that Cliff can't be trusted because he's he was already a piece of shit, but he's crazy and he hates Niles the most. Jane, he probably Niles loved the most, but you can't trust Jane because you don't know if it's going to be Hammerhead or Secretary or this or that. Larry don't believe in himself one goddamn bit. So for him to leave it to Rita on the same day, Rita at her play, let everybody know that she's the blob on accident. And then is at her lowest. Like the, the fact that she laid there for damn near a day while the thing was buzzing. And then when she goes to put the key because of her fear, her hand kept blobbing. And all of a sudden, oop, it goes off. And she's like, oh, I hope that wasn't important. So does episode three reveal what the call is about? Episode two did. Did it? I I I perceived it as that. You perceive it to be what, Madame Rouge? Gargamex. Gargamex? Well, but see, I don't buy that because we'll we'll just jump into episode two now. So everybody in the wake of their kind of their depression is convinced by Rita when she has a breakdown and melts herself into a, a plant because she's had this emotional breakdown about her inability and being constantly reminded of Niles that they need to go on this on a vacation and you get Gargamax in the past, which by the way, for me, the highlight of that episode was seeing the brain for the first time, like ever, like in the little chair. And I can never remember the gorilla with the beret's name. No, that's not gorilla Uh, grod. Is it? No, it's, it's it's something with an M it's French. Um, Fuck. 
Now I got to look it up. Keep going. <laughs> the reason I don't think that that was it was because Gargamax is like, it wasn't a call from the Brotherhood of Evil to like what? Like, the, they were kind of gone. Gargamax had been sitting there for like 70 some years, like just waiting patiently. And we, you know, clearly the, and maybe, maybe that call was that the Brotherhood of Evil is back. But I don't think it was about what was going on at the camp, if that okay. makes sense. Well, and episode three episode, doesn't mention it at all. Right. Because episode one leads you to believe that it's about Madame Rouge. But yeah. I don't know that that's true. Um, but Madame Rouge clearly has some sort of ulterior motive that believes that the Doom Patrol must die. Because basically this this whole episode, um, you learn about Gargamax, who was sent by the Brotherhood of Evil to destroy to kill Rita Farr. He's given this device that will go off and notify him when she's in the area and for him to go proceed with his kill. The Brotherhood of Evil, and this takes place in like 1940-something. He shows up at this resort where, I, I swear to God, I couldn't find confirmation, but his little Harold, the the dude that's in red, I swear to God, he's, um, he's the guy who played Pippin in uh, Lord of the Rings. Um, oh, heck, yeah. yeah. Samuelson is, is the guy's name, but the gorilla's name is Monsieur Mala. Monsieur yes. Mala. Yes. yes. I even tried to add he is, French he's, he's a French He's a French militant gorilla. It's awesome. All three uh, of those make all the sense in the world, by the way. French, right. militant, and a gorilla. Hmm. Right. But he, uh, but so Gargamax, anytime he enters into a room, this dude comes up with a gramophone. He winds up this gramophone to play this. I think it's Wagner. It's like a <laughs> Wagner as he walks in and is like, "Behold, the de- the decimator of worlds, Gargamax." And like, and the dude makes his grand interest. And so he walks into this like resort, and there's all these people sitting there having dinner. All these like upper class white people, like just chilling. And he just sits down at a table. And by the end of the dinner, they're all best friends. Like they're joking and laughing and having this grand time. And the the message from the Brotherhood of Evil never comes. And so Gargamax stays there, reports in every day that she's not arrived and that he's ever vigilant until 70 years later when the Doom Patrol shows up. And he has a he has a chance meeting with Cliff in the steam room where they both share their dislike of Niles Colder um, because Niles is the reason that the Brotherhood of Evil was destroyed. And Cliff blames Niles for all of his problems, even when they're not really all of his problems. Uh, and eventually, once Reed is able to regain her shape, the Gargamex and his and his servant, like they recognize him, but they don't. But Gargamex chooses not to attack her because he hasn't gotten word from the Brotherhood of Evil, and he says that box is never happening, and he decides to pack it up and go. And it's not until they're about to leave the resort that the signal goes off, but you learn that Gargamex is trying to stop his manservant from doing the job because he no longer Gargamex no longer wants to, gives up his life, and the episode ends with Madame Rouge showing up, barring the door, preventing the Doom Patrol from escaping, and four of them, Cliff, Jane, Cyborg, and Rita, lying on the dance floor, presumably dead. And that's the episode in a nutshell. Um, 
most of the episode is about them getting over their own trauma and anger at each other, uh, which they do through bonding and Foxtrot music. Uh, Ray, Dave went first last time. Your thoughts on episode two? Well, I think it's important to note the entire reason they're at the resort is because Cyborg got shut off because he helped Ronnie get away from blowing up a building. And because he loves her. He doesn't admit it yet. He still hasn't realized that that's what it is. Um, he still thinks he's doing the fight in the good fight and trying to save somebody. Nah, bro, it's because you knocked down them. You knocked it down. So it's cool. Um, but he gets shut down, and Cyborg without Grid is essentially Cliff, right? <laughs> so he, they all want to get away, and Secretary, because Jane just came back. Secretary finds, I don't know why she chose that place. But whatever. So uh, it's it's interesting the reasoning they're there, and how it just happens to be where Gargamix had been for seventy years, right? And I found that part interesting because they could have went anywhere, but they only went there because they had wanted to go somewhere where uh, it was affordable because they still broke, right? They only they never had no money. Now it's had all the money, but they could afford stuff. But where he, they had just enough Wi-Fi, whatever the reasons she said. Anyway. Um, Gargamix is dope. And keep it a buck, if I was a little red dude, after 70 years of washing your drawers and carrying that big-ass gramophone and feeding you, and you just like, nah, son, we're done. No, we're not. I gave up my <laughs> life for all of this. Yeah, I, I, can, I can understand that, right? Um, it was cool how they all came together. A big part of the reason why the Doom Patrol has so many problems as a family is because they don't talk to each other. Right. That's kind of why I love Cliff and Jane's relationship, because they, they yell at each other, but they're the only ones that. Well, and then I guess you could say Larry and Rita, but they're basically married, even though they're not together. Right. But right. they really finally got it out and they all needed to get it out. Um, Cliff has been saying nothing's wrong with me and finally he acknowledged something's wrong with them. Cyborg acknowledged, you know what, maybe I'm a little too hard on y'all and, I, you know, y'all can't follow everything I do. Rita acknowledged that she's basically faking it until she makes it. Like it, it was cool to see everybody kind of get to that good point. And then, of course, like you do, you pull the rug from underneath, underneath us, and they all die. And like not die, die, but like die, die, because their bodies are like delivered back to Doom Manor for Larry to find them all dead. So like, um, very fun episode. I also love the fact. That probably is the most underrated part of the episode that you mentioned, you kind of alluded to. They're like, everybody loves Gargamex. So much to the point where Gargamex and Cliff are it. Why is Cliff even in the damn sauna to begin with? He's a robot. Nonetheless, in the sauna, they chilling, and they just like, yeah, man, life, brother. <laughs> and they just become right. best fucking friends. It's, it, it's hilarious. Um, but no, it is very interesting and important I wonder why Madame Rouge popped up when she did, barricaded the door, and then took the face of Rita and told her, I'm sorry. That was interesting to me. Like, I can understand you want them to die, but why did you have to tell her you're sorry? Because what it was led to believe, what we were led to believe is that she's going to be the big bat of the entire season, right? So, Evil. Dave? First off, Billy Boyd does play Samuelson, Pat. So good call I on that one. So. Good call on that one. 
Um, Look at that. Good job, man. I know my shit. You know your Scottish people or whoever the hell he is. So, uh, it's it's a great it's a fun episode. It's really like I think Ray was saying it. It's the journey of the Doom Patrol to kind of really reconnect with each other and work through not only just their issues with Niles, but yeah, like Ray was saying, their issues with each other and to and to bond. And it all starts because it's Kay who actually wants to dance in the underworld. Jane follows Rita jumps in there. And then the next, you know, Cliff who, you know, and it, it, it's a very touching moment just in time for it all to go to shit because Gargamex is, is like, and, and he basically like walks away from the thing because he's like, once Samuelson realizes Rita far is here, now we can fulfill our mission. Gargamex is like, dude, she's a fucking wreck. There's nothing. There's no reason to take her out. She's taking herself out. And we've never got that a damn signal from the Brotherhood and they leave. And then, you know, yeah, Samuelson goes off on his own half cocked and blows everybody away. So I can't add a whole lot that that Ray already talked about. It's it's um, it, it, it it's like what they typically do. Everybody comes back together and you're feeling good that, hey, maybe these guys are actually going to take a step forward as a as a unit, as a superhero group just in time for them all to be wiped out. And of course, because Cyborg has been depowered and is blue, blue light special, now instead of uh, red, then they're vulnerable because Cyborg's, for the most part, the most powerful of them, unless Jane can ever harness all of one of her 64 personalities. But um, yeah, it, it, it leaves you with the whole situation like, wow, how are they going to get out of this one? I just hope we're not going to do like Bill and Ted's bogus journey where they're going to go in and do this whole afterlife sort of thing. And maybe, you know, they're going to have to beat death at battleship to be able to come back to Twister. life. Twister two, Twister. Twister or that football game that vibrates, you know, that sort of thing. And, but it's a, it's a, it's a great episode. It's just, it's expanding things. I'm sure we're going to get more characters involved. I know at the end of it, they showed what's happening in season three or episode three, which I haven't seen yet, but it's obviously, Dorothy and Larry are going to call the dead boy detective agency, which opens up all sorts of different possibilities as to, oh shit, it's going to get really weird now. Just know that the dead boy detective agency is part of the reason why I think Niles may be coming for next week. No, very good. All right. Well, we have gone damn near an hour on episodes actually over uh, probably damn near an hour without taking a break so it's time for us to put this away when we come back we're going to do a visit to the trailer park but it's a special visit to the trailer park as it's all netflix so stay tuned you're listening to bandwagon nerds on the chair shot radio network a part of the chairshot.com Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Hey folks, PC Tony here. Thanks to our new partnership with Angry Lemonade, you can save 10% on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code CHAIRSHOT. Head to angrylemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services. Use the promo code CHAIRSHOT to save 10%. That's angrylemonade.net. 
Are you looking for the newest and hottest in the world of pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 6,000 hours of the best events from over 150 of your favorite promotions from 20 different countries around the globe. Brands like Progress Wrestling, Evolve Wrestling, Combat Zone, Defy, PCW Ultra, PWX, Over the Top, Shine, and hundreds of others with fresh content added every day for only $5.99 per month. Get your free trial today at powerslam.tv. Go to powerslam.tv, promo code ChairShot. Get your free month. Again, that's powerslam.tv, promo code ChairShot. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. Well, all right. Welcome back. You know, I forgot at the top of the show to remind everybody. I know I know you all know, but you are listening to Bandwagon Nerds on the ChairShot Radio Network, part of the ChairShot.com, where we encourage everybody to always use their head. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. Now, Dave's going to take that clip in post-production and move it all the way to the front so that it sounds like I actually introduced the show. Probably not. You're not going to do that, Dave? No, you're not? I'm not. It's fine the way it is. Trust me, Pat. We're fine. That clip appears 20 times during the rest of the thing anyway, so it's all right. That's fine. Well, then, if you're not going to do that for me, how about you cue up the banjo music and we make our way over to the trailer park? Thank you. Welcome, AJ, into the trailer park. It's your first visit here. Gentlemen, I started this like I was going through our I was going through our, our chat. Because usually again, friends, we have our D we we have this um, direct message thread that anybody who's basically involved with the bandwagon is a part of. Uh, and nine times out of ten, Ray or myself post like eight dozen articles with Dave sprinkling a few in here or there, but I, I really got to say lately Ray doesn't have time to watch flash Gordon, but he certainly has time to post every article he's reading on the internet. I, I really am mad at you about flash Gordon today, man. I don't know what it I'm is. I'm saying, and you know how quick it is to press the damn retreat. My God. You know how easy it is to just press play for, for a three hour movie. It's not three hours. It's like an hour and a half. It's a, it's it was made in eighty one, dude. They didn't potato. make three hour movies in eighty one unless it was the fucking Godfather. Potato, and that potato. wasn't the Godfather. Potato, potato, potato. Get out of here. Well, anyway. What it's it's randomly inflation in an hour and a half movie in the eighties is a three hour movie nowadays. You understand oh, yeah. me, AJ. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna feel like a damn three hour movie when I watch it. I'm gonna watch so it. Sit, so I was sitting there looking through trailers. And, I mean, you have time to watch trailers, but not time to watch Flash Gordon. But we were watching, you know, I was sitting there looking, I was like, oh, trailer. And there was like, oh, yeah, Netflix has got this thing on Saturday. And I bet you they're going to drop a bunch of stuff. And so they did. They held their streaming event to dumb, which, by the way, 
Netflix, a streaming service, streams their special event show on YouTube, on their YouTube channel, and not on their own streaming service. AJ, explain this to me as you throw up your hands. I mean, to me, it just feels like what they're trying to do is like, hey, we got this nice show. If you want to get some more, come on, buy it, and monthly fee and all that. So maybe that's what they're aiming for. I don't know. That's what the hand up was yeah. for. I, I, I don't know. Maybe that's their plan. It's not I a guess. terrible one, but. A, a subscriber dig does sound logical. Uh, though I, at this point, I just assume everybody has Netflix. Like, I just do. And I know it's not true. I'm sure there's there are those out there who don't have Netflix. Um but know somebody who does, you know what I'm talking about anyway, but they dropped five. They brought, they dropped a bunch of trailers, uh, but five that caught my attention that I thought were worth watching. Uh, the first one is definitely like, I'm sure Dave and Ray who know me very, very well, AJ, I, I'm assuming you've listened to the show or you, you know enough about me. This first trailer that, that I put on here though, this is me and like my wheelhouse to a T. It is a show called Attack of the Hollywood Clichés. It is a documentary series hosted by Rob Lowe, by the way, that is just an examination of the stuff you see all the time in movies, uh, you know, movie tropes, movie clichés, and the way that they broke down in the history of, they have an, I don't know if it's an episode or a segment dedicated to the Wilhelm scream. And I mean, everybody here knows who the, what the Wilhelm scream is, right? Like I'm seeing some- <laughs> Uh, made famous in my mind by Star Wars because George Lucas fucking loved that thing. So I, I'm going to watch every second of this. This is going to be one of those that I watched when I dropped and try to convince the rest of the bandwagon to watch it. I won't do to them like I did with this as pop because we have too many shows to cover as it is. And I, as much as I know we could just do two hours of covering various television shows, I don't want that to be our show. So, uh, thoughts on this first trailer let's go with uh we'll go with aj again because i feel like we we've talked about a lot of things you haven't had a chance to watch i know you watched the trailer so what do you think of this i did watch the trailer and for, for those that are confused as to what we mean by hollywood cliches or tropes like you said the the scream that you famously hear in star wars whenever anyone falls or even the Hollywood horror movie cliche of whatever you do, don't have sex or you're going to die because you're being a horny teenager. Um, but yeah, Rob Lowe's breaking them all down. And believe me, I, I know how much of a cynic you can be when it comes to movies, Pat. I do also read the articles of the movie reviews. The, the, the East German judge. Yeah. I, I have been the gentle one lately. In my defense, Dave has been the East German judge as of late. That's, but right. I, I, that's right, comrade. I do, I do, I do tend to <laughs> that's be Russian. Who's mean? It's all right. Yeah. Russian judges work the same too. So, but commie, yeah, commie yeah. bastards. Anyway, go ahead. AJ. <laughs> but no, it definitely seems interesting. It's something I would want to watch too, just to see how many of them are repeated, even from the movies from the 70s, the 60s, even early on, because I know I saw some black and white films that they're going to go over the cliches of too. So, you know, the 40s, 50s, and all that as well. So I I guess in this case, if it's not broke, don't fix it. But we're going to see what it is that they're not fixing and see how long it goes and how it works. Excellent. Dave, what did you think? 
Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, it's going to be a fun series to watch for sure to see just how many things are, are cliches that you didn't really kind of conceptualize as a cliche until somebody points it out to you and says, hey, look at this. This is done like 25 times in these movies. So it, it was fun. I mean, anything with Rob Lowe in it, that's uh, that's going to be probably worth watching. So I, uh, I, I, I dug the trailer. I thought <laughs> there's, there's things in here I didn't think about. But yeah, there's when you really think about it, there's so many Hollywood cliches that warrant conversation. Like AJ's talking about horror movies and and just and they become a trope unto themselves at this point in time. So um, I mean, you know, any, any genre, right? Like any genre film, like rom coms, same oh, yeah. sort of deal. Or mm-hmm. like how many Rambo ripoffs have there? The one man army. I mean, they've done that countless times. So in in all sorts of different environments. So I I think it, it'd be definitely if we didn't have forty other shows to watch right now. I'd be, uh, you know, and I got to stay on raid and watch Flash Gordon oh. now. Apparently, I'd be watching the Hollywood <laughs> cliches thing as well. Well, we don't have to watch forty shows. You just seem to think we do. Uh, better one man army. Um, Sylvester, uh, Sylvester Stallone in Rambo Two, or Arnold Schwarzenegger in Commando. Oh, Ooh. I'd go with Rambo. <laughs> I, I'd go with Rambo. I, I just think you know, because I mean, basically. Stallone did what the United States military couldn't and won the Vietnam War all on his own, and Arnold just beat the <laughs> shit out of an island. So, see, see, the, the reason why I'm also going to agree with Dave is because you also said Rambo 2, which means he got the job done the first time as well. <laughs> well, he, he could. Well, Rambo 1 is. This is the thing that cracks me. Rambo 1 is like this really good like examination of the psyche of post traumatic stress from the Vietnam War and like the plight of veterans. And then Hollywood was like, you know what? Fuck it. Let's make some money and just have him blow up all of everything. Yeah. Like just blow it. one arrow, whole island explodes. So good stuff. Ray, did you check out the trailer for Attack on the Hollywood Cliches? What did you think? Good I did. Sir. I, I did. And I loved it. It feels like this is pop, but for movies. Right. And I think that's dope because this is pop was dope as a concept of explaining things that we know, but we don't know, we've heard of, but don't, haven't thought of, or whatever it is. Um, but there are, much like everybody on this panel has mentioned, there are so many tropes that we see all the time we don't realize, like the spit take. <laughs> and every, yeah, in every, com- in every comedy movie, there's a spit take. But there's a purpose for that, right? Because that's supposed to, in your mind, make you realize this shit is crazy, Right? And I mean, uh, I, I doubt to get into it, but the trope of every black person got to die at the beginning of a horror movie. <laughs> every every white every white lady has to trip in a horror movie, right? Like these are things that are really cool to think of because number one, why did they start? And number two, why did they become so second nature? I'm really interested in seeing it and see it how it's ex- how the exposition of everything is explained and why. And I mean. For us to be the nerd show, right, the entertainment show, the one thing we never have delved into as long as, long as I've been here is not just movies, but why things happen in movies. And I'm really excited to talk about that. You mean like, why are white people dumb as fuck in every horror movie? That that sort of thing? Well, look, <laughs> I'd rather be dumb and alive than smart and dead. Cause That's true. Yeah. Or I'd be gone by the thirty by thirty minutes in an episode. So I, I got I got one horror movie that you're never gonna watch, but 
uh, whole statement. <laughs> it's a it's a very crappy horror movie from the eighty late eighties early nineties called Night of the Demons, and in that movie, the black man lives. In the eighties, mm-hmm. eighties or early nineties, I can't remember what it is. But the is black man lives. In, is this in the Smithsonian or in the time capsule? Like that? What? It, what? It might be. The black guy it's, lives it's, in Night of the Living Dead, and then they kill him. The fact he's a zombie. that y'all can name a few movies just further proves the point. Uh, <laughs> there's oh, yeah. only so few that we are allowed to make it. D- didn't LL Cool J live in uh, Deep Blue Sea or something? I believe it was Deep Blue Sea. LL Cool, G was the la- LL cool J was the last guy standing. And that was, you're right, that was a major shock. Um, LL Cool J and I think um, Ice Cube survived in Anaconda. But like, those were big shocks because everybody expected everybody to die. And LL Cool J was the chef. So, I mean, what the chef got to do fighting uh, sharks? But he was, made was Deep Blue Sea the one where Samuel L. Jackson makes the big speech and then the shark eats him? The inspiring speech to get everybody motivated and the shark just jumps out of the water and eats him. Of his motherfucking sharks and this motherfucking... Ah. Yeah, that's Maybe. exactly how it went like down. Like if a shark ate yeah, Bill, I, Pul- Bill Pullman during his speech in Independence Day, you know. Uh, quiet. <laughs> Don't blast Bill Pullman, sir. Lone Star right. deserves better. By the way, greatest speech ever in a movie. Independence okay. Day. Um. That that come on, man. Like I'm not I'm even like Mister Ra Ra America, but that speech gets my it gets that and the inch by inch in any given Sunday. Those speeches like get me charged up, bro. I was going to say, speaking of cliches, yeah, those—that's one of them. That's right. The brave, the Braveheart speech. The Braveheart speech has been done now twenty-five times. Very true. Well, and I can't wait to watch them all get broken down. I love a good documentary series. I love a good entertaining documentary series. This looks like it's going to be both. But let's get into some of the shows that are coming that people are excited about some of the shows that are debuting that folks may or may not be excited about i'm actually going to skip around a little bit on the list so it's not going to show up in the order of your rundown because i feel we should save a couple of these for last i'm actually going to go with the one i'm willing to bet most of us know the least about and that is the uh trailer for neil gaiman's work sandman we got a very very brief trailer Dave, you're you're all okay. Object. Go ahead. No, no. Go I'm, ahead. I'm just when you say the one that we know the least about. I was going to say no, mm-hmm. no. I've read Volume One, Preludes and Nocturnes. I know this story very well. As excited as you were about why the Last Man, that's me with Sandman. Okay, so then pontificate on what you saw in this trailer because I've I know of Sandman. I have not read Sandman. Dude, they they. They actually show the incantation and the ceremony that they do to trap Dream, who is Death's brother, if I remember correctly, and off to the races we go from there. So they actually show the very beginning of the graphic novel. And I, I, I've only read volume one, and I want to go back and read, because there's like, what, I don't know, Ray, like six or seven volumes by now of the Sandman saga. And, you know, volume one is so dope in every way. That if they're going to capture, I mean, this is a series that whether we're watching it or not, I'm going to be watching it because I loved volume one of the Sandman that much. It, it is. I'm trying to draw the comparison with you, Pat, that the way you feel about why the last man is the way I feel about Sandman. It is phenomenal. 
what they showed, they didn't show much, but they just showed the ceremony that they had to do and everything that, uh, I forget the guy, the guy who did it, he was in Game of Thrones. I know that much. He was yeah, uh, he's Tywin, Tywin Lannister. Tywin Lannister, yeah. And he's doing all this stuff, cutting himself open to trap. And it's like, he was like, they're trying to get death, but they know that death has a family. And they're not sure which one of the, air quoting, siblings they're going to snag, and they snag Dream. And just the way Dream looked from the brief time you saw him is comparable to the way he appears in the comics. So it is a series that I would highly recommend. I think anybody who's a nerd and loves that kind of stuff, the more edgy sort of like Vertigo comics-based stuff, you're going to love Sandman. I'm so excited about that. I'll let either of you take the reins next. Any interest in seeing Sandman? Because, like I said, I know very little about the comic. What I saw was very intriguing, um, and is intriguing like is intriguing enough for me to want to watch it. I love Neil Gaiman's work. Um, I've read American Gods. I've read the what is it, the Anasazi Boys. I've read. Um, oh shoot, I'm going to forget the. There's a there's another one along those same um, Good Omens, which he wrote with Terry Pratchett. Um, so one of the great creative minds out there and everything I've ever heard about Sam is good stuff. So I'm in, uh, I just don't know much about it. I guess I'll, I'll t- Ray to you. Are you in, even though you don't know much about it off the trailer? Not, not enough was said in the, not enough was on in the trailer to get me interested, but it, it, I'm intrigued. I need to see more. Um, but the adage that you hear all the time, in a rap lyric or in an anecdote or something that sleep is the cousin of death. Well, here, sleep is the brother of death. And, you know, when you think about it from uh, just almost from a literal perspective, they run so close together, right? Because one could perceive being sleep too long for being dead. So there is some interest in just thinking about it from that perspective and why these people want to capture dreams who is oversleep. Um, not too dissimilar from uh, my interest in seeing Nightmare in the MCU, because there is so much that can be done in your dream. Freddy Krueger has shown us that the most scary world in, that we live in is one where we can't control anything. So just knowing all of that, knowing a little bit about the comics and knowing how dope that they were, because I didn't read them, but I mean, I've known enough about them. I am interested but if I'm just going by a trailer and do nothing, I don't think I'd be in yet. I'm I'm kind of in the same boat as Ray. I'm I feel like I'm a little more interested in it just from the trailer alone. But the other thing that we also have to realize it was the first take, right. where it's supposed to give you a little bit mm-hmm. before they give you a little more. A teaser. Yeah, a little teaser. Then they give you the appetizer, and then they give you the full course meal. So this one was just the little treat, the little like, oh, yeah, this is what it's about and everything. Thankfully, Dave's here because I would not have known exactly what was going on in the movie or uh, sorry, the series that's going to happen. But it does look interesting. It does look like something I would want to watch. I just need a little more to see if I will be roped into it or if it's something that I'll be like, let me wait like a season or maybe a couple of episodes. Well, I think that's fair. I think I'm. I, like I said, I, I'll watch it because I because of the the creative mind behind it, uh, and know and familiarity with his other work. So, very excited about that. The other 
uh, this one's a movie, uh, and it was less of a trailer. It was just a three-minute clip from the movie Red Notice, starring The Rock, starring Ryan Reynolds, starring Gal Gadot, and I don't, you know, from what I've seen from this trailer, from the trailers previous to this little action fight sequence, uh, Gal Gadot's the bad guy looking to get some eggs. The Rock is playing some form of a government agent. I think it's the FBI this time because that's what he plays. Uh, and I don't remember what Ryan Reynolds is. With a lot of you got to see Ryan Reynolds doing Ryan Reynolds things, and you got to see Gal Gadot kick the shit out of both The Rock and, and Ryan Reynolds as Ray gets up to celebrate the Ravens winning a football game. I'm assuming. Um, so Probably. With Ray, with Ray standing up off to the left, um, watch Flash Gordon. I'm going to turn it over <laughs> to AJ to, to give your thoughts on this little action clip that we saw from the movie <laughs> Red Notice. And something tells me Justin Tucker just made the field goal because he's he did that or he's mad. You no, know, he made it. You get it? Okay, he made just making it. sure. Hey, anyway, Pat, it got, it, actual... I don't want to cut AJ off. It got so bad with Washington and Buffalo that Mitchell Trubisky was in at the end of the game for the for the Bills. That's how bad yeah, they whooped our ass. Just Justin Justin Fields has been sacked eight times. Drink. Woo! That game's over. They're all over. I was asked right, to drink, so, so I'm going to drink. Anyway. Your, your thoughts on so the action sequence. Notice. The action sequence, it, I'm not trying to say that it seems very typical of a Ryan Reynolds movie, but it does. If he's not Deadpool, he's got to be like the comic relief kind of, where during the fight, you know, The Rock's actually going on. He's actually fighting Gail Godot. Gail Godot's just kind of toying with him the entire time. And Ryan Reynolds is just, I just want the egg. Can I just have the egg? I, I don't want to fight. God. And it ends up, you know, an entire fight sequence in this museum. The Rock kind of holds his own, but because Ryan Reynolds is just trying to get the egg or just handcuff Gail Godot so she doesn't do anything, it ultimately leads to their demise. It, it's, like you said, it's a three-minute clip. It looks like it's going to be a full movie, so that's going to definitely be entertaining, but... It seems like every Ryan Reynolds movie where he kind of has to be the goofball, so it's a little more lighthearted instead of serious, which I'm not saying is a bad thing. It's just as soon as I see Ryan Reynolds, that's what I'm thinking. Hey, that's fair. You know, as as a fellow cynic, as, I, as I'm starting to catch here, um, you're, you're just as much an East German judge as I am, and that's okay. That's cool. Ray. Now that you've finished celebrating, what did you think of the three-minute clip that we got from the Netflix on Red Notice? 66-yard field goal, ball hits the crossbar, and then pops over to win the game. Um, so Justin that, Tucker now has the record. Is that a record? I, I, it's muted. I can't tell. All I know record is 64. we should have lost this game. Anyway, sorry. To get back to the point. Um, so I've seen the trailers. So this was a clip of just what you can see but the trailers explain a little better ryan reynolds is a um dueling um uh thief to gal Gadot, and rock convinces him or blackmails him to help him stop gal Gadot, which is why the whole time he's just trying to get the egg because he's not a fighter i'm a thief 
right? But they're working together in a sense because he has doesn't have much of a choice. Um, I am very much kind of getting sick of The Rock being the law. <laughs> be real cool to see him be a dude. Uh, but yeah, in every movie, he's the law. Even when he's a regular person, like Walking Tall, or um, what's the movie where he was the dad who was driving the trucks? He's still the law, uh, even though he's a regular dude. Um, but yeah, The Rock don't make movies that aren't unenjoyable. Are they good? Yeah. But they're always enjoyable. Um, Ryan Reynolds is hilarious, and Gal Gadot is on the run of a lifetime. So yeah, it's going to be a fun movie. It's really cool they gave us three uh, minutes of it because this is probably going to be their biggest movie of the year given the names and how long it's been being built so i'm excited dave look it's it's black adam versus wonder woman versus deadpool i mean what what can you possibly complain about with that awesomeness it's well given that this is coming from you you probably wish henry cavill was in it <laughs> he's coming later on he's coming up later on but it's, Actually, I left him off. He's not on this thing at all. Yeah, I you didn't, put it. You had no Witcher talk on this. That's all right. But uh, I don't want to gush over Henry Cavill for thirty minutes. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, it's a cool trailer. Sorry. I I want to see. I want to see the movie. I mean, I like what Ray says that The Rock desperately needs a heel turn right now in Hollywood to do something different because this is just getting kind of stale. But uh, yeah, I mean, but he's bankable. Oh, he is. I mean, and it's talk, talking about tropes. Yeah, cliches. Hey. But uh, I love. I mean, Gal Gadot is just badass as can be in this in this uh, scene. Ryan Reynolds is like AJ put it perfectly. He is the comic relief the entire scene because he's he's not a fighter and he tries to break the case with his elbow and ends up probably breaking his arm instead. That was good. It, it looks like a lot of fun. I don't think it's a movie that's even remotely going to suggest to you, hey, take us seriously. But it's just going to be action off the wall. You know, they'll probably like join up at some point to take on some big heist and it's going to go Ocean's Eleven on us. And and that's how it's going to end up. But it looks fun. Yeah, maybe we'll nerd review it. We'll see. OK, so let's get to. Yes, I left the Witcher off because when I made the rundown, they hadn't dropped the Witcher footage. There is a bunch of Witcher footage. Dave loves Henry Cavill. Go check it out. It'll it'll be great. Netflix, here's a spoiler. Netflix is making like a million more Witcher spinoff shows, including another anime series, another spinoff series, and a kids series. That's the one that I'm interested in to seeing how they pull off. Interested or concerned? The, two, the Witcher in a kids series. A little, series. Bit, of, a little yeah. bit of both. A little bit of both. What I do want to talk about, though, is one of the big Golden Goose franchises that um, started at Netflix that we have been waiting very, very patiently for another season to drop. And that is Stranger Things. We got a trailer for Stranger Things season four that had kind of a different vibe than we've seen from the previous three seasons. Uh, for those of you who don't remember, you know, we've spent all this time in the upside down. It's been this very, you know, this shadow universe sort of thing. And then we get this trailer today or yesterday, uh, at the time that we're recording this, that felt like I was watching an episode of Scooby-Doo as we wandered through a haunted mansion. <laughs> and like, row, row. like where, where's the dog? Uh, I was also, um, I can't remember, one of the kids has clearly grown up a lot faster than the other ones. Lucas. <laughs> like, 
Lucas looks like he's like 37, and the other ones are like 13. And they still look 13. But Lucas looks like a damn man, which is good for him. Dustin's voice definitely dropped some. That's for sure. A little bit, yeah. But, yeah, I got, like, this, like, haunted house vibe. Very, very, like, haunting of Hill House sort of sort of feel from it. It was very different than what I'm used to out of Stranger Things. So I'm, I, it, it, it interested me as to where they're going, but left me with a lot of questions based on where we'd been. So, Dave, I'll start with you this time around. Thoughts on the new Stranger Things trailer? Unexpected, I think, is the best way to describe. I did not expect from the teaser for season four to start off with uh, something's happened at this house and it's pretty bad. And there's people discovering a, a one of the girls discovers like a dead rabbit in the yard. And then they kind of flash forward to some of our protagonists. Max is there. Steve's there. Dustin, Lucas. Um, and it's almost like they're doing like Stranger Things meets Ghost Hunters for the first half of this. And like you said, yeah, they're going through a haunted house looking at things and, and, and they, and they, it does feel like a ghost hunter sort of thing. My understanding is though, that, and I think you've mentioned it previously, Robert England is going to be involved in season four. And if that's the case, that, that this whole, there's supposed to be a lot of homages to nightmare on Elm street in season four. And maybe that's where they're going with this, with this house sort of situation. So, yeah, I, I'm curious. We didn't get any more reveals about Hopper over in uh, in Russia, which I know everybody's kind of excited about. How did he survive that? How did he get over there? But, you know, from what I've seen so far, season four is is, is looking like it's going to be a very different sort of thing. Conspicuous by their absence. We didn't see Will. We didn't see Mike. We didn't see Elle. Um, Elle was depowered last time we saw her. We know that that's probably not going to stay the same. So you got, it was very much a teaser in every sense of the word, just to kind of get you interested. Like, wow, what the hell are they going to do with this thing? So I'm, yeah, I mean, 2022 can't get here fast enough for season four. And Dave, you were late to the stranger things party. If I I recall, like you were, you were like, Oh, I'm so sorry. I missed this. AJ, have you watched Stranger Things, are you up on the on the Stranger Things? I actually am, so I know everything that's going on. This is an unknown like like Doom Patrol was. But yeah, it looked very interesting. I liked it too. I wouldn't say uh, Scooby-Doo in Stranger Things. I would just call it supernatural things now because it's just randomly they come up to that, what is it called? The Creel House, I think it said it was called. Yeah. Creel or Krell. Something like that, but you know. They do look a lot, lot more adult. They look more grown up. Like they've been through a lot more. I know, obviously, it's because they were kids when they re- first recorded, and now they're just keeping the cast. So now puberty hit, but it can go into more serious, darker things. Like we alluded to, where it's like a rabbit or or a squirrel or so- something was dead in the front yard. Right. We, we couldn't really tell what it was. It was a furry creature, but then. It goes from a normal house to shit goes so far south we hit Antarctica. So the boys come in, see what's going on. It it, it looks like it's going to be a good thing. It looks like it's going to be a great season as always, but it does seem like they're they're hinting towards a lot of, I guess since we already said it, uh, cliches and tropes where they might go to nightmare like Dave said or. They might go into something more. Who knows? Maybe we might even get like a little comedic Scooby-Doo skit 
where they just start running through different rooms in the house and it's just like oh crap yeah, all right we found the ghost but now we have to run away because we're scared I, th- I think they call that um i think they call those homages when, when you do it in a show um and you like the show if you don't like the show then it's a cliche but if you like the show it's an homage mm. it's like it's like michael cole vintage and classic yes there you mm-hmm. go there you- so ray i i don't know that we've ever asked this. do you watch stranger things Nope. Add it to your wow. list. Sir? <laughs> I said add it to your list. After Flash Gordon, no. To be f- no, I have no choice but to do this because my daughter's watched every single episode up to this point. So when season four drops, she's going to be like, Daddy, let's watch it. And I'm be like, eh. So I'm going to watch it eventually. But you know how Tony has his list of shows like Game of Thrones and Breaking Bad he's never watched and he's seven for a rainy day? Stranger Things has always been number one because everybody I know is like screaming at me to watch it. So trailer's cool. I don't understand a goddamn thing, but it's cool to see that they grown now. And I didn't know. <laughs> I understand a goddamn thing. I, I, I didn't know uh, Gaden Matanzo, whatever. Is he Dustin? I think so. Yeah, is that Gaden? I believe so, yes. Yeah. I didn't know he could speak in a British accent. So shout out to him shouting out Sherlock Holmes. There you go. Um, all right, well, then let's get to the last trailer that I have on the, li- the list. And I kind of saved because I know you love this show. I know you've watched this show, Ray, so I'll let you talk about it first. We got a trailer for Cobra Kai Season 4, Daniel LaRusso, Johnny... Lawrence. Lawrence. I was like, Johnny, something's the last thing. <laughs> Teaming up to take on their old arch nemesis sensei, well, and actually, former sensei, um, Zuko, right? Really, Zuko was that one of his name? John Freeze, right? No, well, John Freeze. Yes. Freeze. And then his best friend Terry Silver is Silver, back. Yes. Yeah. Is I was like, Danny Zuko now, from Greece is a karate sensei. Wow. We, we've now <laughs> now wrapped, we've now wrapped all three of the Karate Kid movies of note. We pretend that the Hillary Swank one didn't happen. They're um, trying, I don't know I what heard you're the talking about. They're trying to bring her in. They're trying to bring Hillary Hiller Swank to make an appearance in this season. Right. Anyway, I've never watched that movie. I have no desire to watch the fourth one. It ended at three for me. Ray, you love Cobra Kai. Yes, we have bonded over Cobra Kai. What are you? What? What? What did this trailer do for you for season four of Cobra Kai? Brought me hope. Cobra Kai is a Cobra Kai has been a TV show that is built on hope and hope being pulled away from you. I mean, just the idea of, of making the villain the hero and the hero the villain is a really dope, was a really dope switch. And then, look, everything is shades of gray, right? Not no, Every bad person isn't 100% bad. There's reasons. Every good person isn't 100% good. There's reasons. And Cobra Kai seasons one, two, and three have shown that perfectly that Johnny Lawrence is a piece of shit, but he's a piece of shit for a reason. And he has redeemable qualities, what he's done with Miguel. Same thing with Johnny Lawrence. He He's a great dude, but became a piece of shit because he got everything that he didn't have and he wanted. And that fell down to his daughter, who needed him and wasn't really there for her and fell in the wrong crowd and so on and so forth. And so now you see that the only thing that could stop these lifelong villains from like not hating each other is having to save the only thing they've ever cared about, the kids. And I think that is so dope, especially seeing how Johnny Lawrence is a is a father to Miguel, 
but ain't a father to his own damn son who out here kill, trying to kill people, right? So knowing that Kreese is the most cricket of cricket dudes that can be cricket in a show about cricket people and like takes over Cobra Kai and now these dudes ready to kill motherfuckers just like we, we're making teenagers killers now. I so excited <laughs> to see them come together and you know Johnny and, and Danny are go- not going to work together well. Everybody in those groups have had all these major brawls and fights and now they got to rock together. Really, and, and, and all this is revolving around a damn tournament. <laughs> like, we ain't even fighting in the streets, homie. We're fighting a legal tournament. So I, I'm really excited to see how they flip it and continue to see the exposition of the kids. And um, old girl that hates Sam, did she go back to Cobra Kai? Or yes. is she still missing? Yes. yes. Tori, Tori went back to Cobra Kai. Yes. Tori went back to Cobra Kai. So, well, there you go. So, like, it's, it's man, the... The fact that they were able to make me care about the kids is the most impressive thing because we all were going to care about the adults. We grew up with the Karate Kid, but I'm invested in these kids now. And so, yeah, I mean, there has not been one. I don't have a negative to say about the show. I'm so excited. Excellent. AJ. Yeah, I'm in the same boat as Ray where it goes to the old saying, the enemy of my enemy is my my friend. So. John Kreese is the enemy. You got Johnny Lawrence. You got Daniel LaRusso. We're going to make Cobra Miyagi-Do or whatever they want to call it. No, I don't know. Eagle Fang, sir. Yeah, I freaked. Eagle Fang. Eagle yeah, that's right. Eagle Fang. Only thing dumber than Cobra Guy. I mean, true. But <laughs> I'm not even going to deny that. He just wanted to make it sound like badass. But no, it, it works. Where, of course, we're going to see the growing pains. Of course... Johnny and Daniel are gonna butt heads like they always have for the past 30 plus years. But that's, but that's what's gonna lead up to where they're gonna keep butting heads. There's probably gonna be a falling out in an episode. And then when the All-Valley Tournament comes up, they work together. Even if it means Cobra Kai actually wins the All-Valley Tournament in this season, I'm not trying to be spoiler or anything. I'm just throwing like a perhaps that could happen a what if if you will Ooh. but it goes into a new season where all right we know what we got to do now now we got to go faster we got to go stronger we got to know how to do this and do it correctly and that's what i feel like it's going to lead to where silver comes back creases like you said right making these like teenage killers more or less and it's all centered around the All-Valley Tournament once again. So this time, who knows? Maybe maybe Cobra Kai wins. Maybe John Kreese realizes the error of his ways and maybe joins them, but then pollutes it. Who knows? There's a lot of different things. I'm not saying that would happen, but we've seen dumber things happen in television series. Come on, let's be honest here. That's true. But that's not going to happen. Dave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there, there's a better chance of the Detroit Lions winning the Super Bowl than John Kreese mending his ways. Uh, Cobra Kai can't win the Super Bowl yet because they lost to us today. Sorry, on a miracle. But, well, that's the Lions. Talk about it. I mean, they might as well have a fucking Cobra Kai tattooed on their ass because they are snake bit, baby. Uh, but no, the uh, I Cobra Kai is a series that I'm, I'm not caught up with yet. I'm about halfway through season one. 
because you know there's only 40 other things to watch i love the show so far it's fantastic can't wait to get caught up uh just yeah it, I, it for me from my standpoint for where i am in the series to see wow how do johnny and daniel actually end up on the same page is going to be fascinating to me but i know that like aj saying the enemy uh, the friend of my enemy or whatever the hell it is I don't know the saying. I don't care. I get it. <laughs> the, the, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Yeah, that's right. We have a common enemy, so we need to bond together to whoop that ass. And that's kind of what it's coming down to. But it, it's a great show from what I've seen so far. That's why I'm watching it, because I've heard nothing but fantastic things about it. And sign me up. Pretty amazing for a YouTube show. For a show that started uh, on YouTube as kind of a one-off fan fiction sort of work done by by mr zabka is what exactly really wanted it reinvigorated his career in a way that i don't think he could have possibly imagined and and ralph macchio too well but i mean here's the difference i don't i don't know that either of them were really like neither one of them were like down and out and like struggle like was william zabka wasn't johnny lawrence like living in a car Hey, you know, or anything like that. It it has been a nice, I think, surprise. I think that's a pleasant. It kind of reminds me of um, when we talk about shows that take off for no other reason. You guys have heard me speak the 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 brilliance of Ted Lasso, but like shows that just sort of found an audience kind of out of nowhere and exploded into a big way. I'm happy for both these guys that this this story has gone as well as it has, and that it has really been unexpected the way it's it's actually turned on some tropes here and there. Kind of what you predict will happen isn't exactly what happens. Um, and has, has played things in a couple of different ways that are unexpected. So yeah, absolutely excited for this. Uh, I think this shows that one of the easiest shows to binge. Um, it just feels very digestible. Like you can get started and go on a run. I think when I watched and got caught up, I did it in a couple of days because it's just really easy to flow into the next episode. So Dave, I think that, you know, as long as the missus isn't holding you to watching it with her, you should be good to go because um, they're they're quick seasons. Yeah, it's one she's actually. Well, she just yeah, she does watch it sometimes. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. Control your destiny. Control your streaming destiny, sir. No, um, I have no control over my house, Patrick. You know that. That's hmm. fair. We're going to close the book on this week's trip to the trailer park and take our second commercial break. Before we go to the recorded business, it is my job to remind you all that if you like what we do here at the Chairshot Radio Network on thechairshot.com, that you need to head over to prowrestlingtees.com forward slash thechairshot and support us by investing in a chairshot.com t-shirt. We have all kinds of designs out there for you to pick up, including a design for this show. I, I mean, we maybe sold two. Cha- we we maybe sold two bandwagon nerd shirts. Should we have a a 100th episode special edition shirt? We'll, we'll limited edition it, make it like five shirts and sell one. Um, just kidding, that's not going to be in the store. But uh, a lot of other great things are like hashtag journalism, save tag team wrestling, everyone hates Greg, and of course the OG chair shot logo. All there on prowrestlingtees.com forward slash the chair shot. Make sure. 
you invest in 1999 for your standard style or if you're feeling fancy want something that feels all nice and soft on your giblets spend a few dollars more and get it soft style we love giving you content every single day and the best way to help us keep giving you quality content is to head over to prowrestlingtees.com forward slash the chair shot and invest in a chair shot t-shirt when we come back we are going to break into some news around the Nerdosphere, starting with more Netflix news and ending with Disney news. You're listening to Bandwagon Nerds on the ChairShot Radio Network, a part of the ChairShot.com. This is your boy, Kenny Killer, telling you to make sure you check out thechairshot.com, bringing you breaking news, interviews, podcasts galore, everything pro wrestling. Make sure you check it out, thechairshot.com. Okay. Still need to find some good intro music for nerd around the, or news around the nerdosphere. Nerd around the nerdosphere. Oh, God. Um because I feel like that's, that's basically we call, like we need to find like some generic I'll news work, music. I'll work on Pat. something for you, Pat. I got you, a couple you, things. I got a couple things I'll tie to this episode for you. See how you like it. it. It's gonna go. It's gonna go great with um, you know all those other wonderful projects. I say we're gonna start and then never finish. Uh, hmm. But I'm trying to get better. I'm looking at you, Chair Shot Radio Spotify playlist for musical chairs. It's gonna happen. We're gonna do it. We've got three topics to talk about this week. I wanted to start with um, a, one other piece of news that didn't come out of yesterday's um, yesterday's Tadum event by Netflix, but was a, a link I saw in a couple of different places. And it's this uh, story that Netflix is interested in acquiring the rights to the complete works of Roald Dahl. Now, I don't know how many people are familiar with Roald Dahl's work. He brought us James and the Giant Peach, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, um, Matilda, the Twits. Uh, did I say James and the Giant Peach? I can't remember if I said that one. That, that was one. the first one, yeah. Uh, that was the first one. Um, but is uh, the BFG. Um, so a lot of properties um, and fairly famous children's books. Uh, and what I find interesting about this is a lot of his work has already been turned into film or television shows, but yet they're buying these properties. And I guess I'll start with the question of, is this just Netflix looking for anything that it can just have complete control over? Or is there real value in redoing a lot of, a lot of this? They've already announced that, it's looking like Taika Waititi is going to be attached to a Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory uh, film, however that looks. We've already gotten two of those, one with the scariest sequence on a on a paddleboat I've ever seen in my life, and the other mm-hmm. one with mm-hmm. Creepy Mighty Death. There is no earthly way of knowing. That's right. Um... I mean, it does feel like Netflix is trying to do the whole monopoly thing where they, it, it does seem like, yeah, we're just going to buy the rights to this because, you know, we can. And who knows? Maybe we might make something down the line. I think the Taika Waititi thing is supposed to be an animated film and 
about the Oompa Loompas, I believe, I think it said on the article that you sent us, but I could be wrong. But, hey, it's it's neither here nor there. It does seem like Netflix is just trying to monopolize everything that they can monopolize, if I can, if that's about right. Where, hey, there might be something that we might get down the line, or, you know, maybe in five years we'll throw something new out there so you're interested, or anything else. Like you said, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, everyone's seen either the original or the Johnny Depp version, and so much more that you said. Matilda, everyone still talks about that movie to the day. So, You know, I actually forgot about a couple of other ones. Uh, the Fantastic Mr. Fox, uh, that's been made in, that was made into a stop-motion animated film. Uh, and then The Witches, which... Was just on uh, HBO Max. HBO mm-hmm. Max did a remake with Anne Hathaway. Uh, and I actually love the Jim Henson studio version, which is dark and kind of creepy. And, um, though it does end happier, but Angelica Houston as the Great High Witch is just awesome. Uh, Ray, Dave, either one of you do, you, do you feel one way or the other about this? Because it's just, I don't know. Like, I like Roald Dahl, but I've never been like, ooh, I need to see more of his stuff turned into movies. Go ahead, I, Ray. I, yeah, let me. Oh, I'm sorry, Dave. You sure? Oh, no, no, you go, go. Ahead, Ray. You go, Ray. You go. Me? You, 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 me. Me. So we're a competition, right? <clears throat> the streaming service competition. Disney has yeah. the rights to everything Marvel, everything Star Wars, everything Pixar, and we don't talk about it enough, but everything Nat Geo, and oh yeah, everything that was just under the, the Disney umbrella, not to mention all of Fox 20th Century Fox's stuff. There's a lot. Amazon Prime, which is actually its biggest competitor based on numbers, just got all the rights to the Lord of the Rings and Middle Earth. That's a lot. Netflix does not have its own thing. They have their own individual movies, but they don't have their own compendiums, if you will. So them stocking up on stuff isn't to me creating a monopoly it's them trying to compete because again the own the the diff the major difference between netflix to me and all the other streaming services amazon prime um hbo max uh hulu hulu pand uh, uh pa- not pandora paramount uh, Peacock, paramount plus that's what i was thinking of yeah disney plus is they all have their own stuff based on their net their studio they can build upon netflix has to build that so while they're building new things it's always good to have something in the in your back pocket that you can always say well we got this for you too i think it's a very smart move i think it's a really smart move because ronald ronald doll is his name correct no rolled there's no in in there thank you i apologize roll doll what's so cool about his work is it's not iron man one two and three it's not Avengers, this, 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 and this. It's so diverse, but under one dude. So you can sell it as the works of Ronald Dowell, but all of the 15 movies you, or shows you're going to get, with the exception of the things that he's putting in the Willy Wonka universe, because it's so big, don't connect in any way. So it stays fresh without, without having to be like interconnected. I think it's a very genius move on, on their part. 
I'm just curious to see, are they really going to go to all the trouble of redoing everything but Willy Wonka? Because there's already been a redone Willy Wonka with Timothy Chalamet. Other than that, are you just having to have content or are you really trying to build something new like Amazon is with the Lord of the Rings? I'm curious, but I think it's a smart move just to compete. Yeah, I think I think Ray's on to something. It seems like the streaming services are now all about collecting IPs at this point in time for themselves. And it's like Disney's got, you know, the big ones, obviously. Amazon Prime's got their own stuff. You've got, you know, the other Peacock's got WWE and that sort of thing. And yeah, Netflix is trying to stay relevant and, and saying, well, you know, what's out there that's not owned yet that we can bring into under our umbrella. So yeah, it, it's a smart move by them. It's not going to make the splash as like, say, you know, HBO Max grabbing, grabbing DC or something like that. Uh, but it's a smart move. You know, if you're trying to compete and stay relevant and have a, a bigger footprint in far as far as the streaming environment is concerned and yeah acquiring those properties those ips is, is an important step so makes sense to me yeah i i just think um i think that his works could actually lend itself to some series as well i think matilda could lend itself to a series uh because i think you're going to see creative liberties taken with the works i don't you know no, nothing is ever a true ad- adaptation anything i did read a follow-up to that story that it's now been confirmed netflix does now have a deal for the entire works of roll doll so uh, that happened on the 22nd so even at the time of talking about this that that has since shifted one thing that i do want to see I, I hope to see made and the article i shared with you alluded to it is that roll doll did write a sequel to willy wonka the chocolate factory called willy wonka the great glass elevator um, which you think if you think that what goes on in the chocolate factory is weird, this book is is trippy as hell. They go into space, they run into vermicious canids, which is something you hear talked about in in the uh, in the original book. Uh, it's it's all over the place. It's crazy. It's weird, and uh, I I don't think it's a bad property owned. I just don't know that it's a property that moves the needle very much. For, for Netflix either way. I think it's going to be one of those, oh, that's nice, but does it really do anything more for them? Than, you know, it's not going to compete with Marvel. It's not going to compete with Star Wars. Hell, it doesn't even compete with Lord of the Rings. Second news item that I have on here today, and this is just a clumsy segue, is a movie that I thought would be made sooner than it actually did, and I wonder if this was bolstered on the, the surprising success of the Sonic the Hedgehog movie. News came out this week, first from Variety, that we're getting a Super Mario Brothers movie. It sounds like it's going to be an animated film uh, with a fairly strong list of names playing some characters, starting with Christopher Platt as Mario and Charlie Day. Playing Christopher Platt is playing Mario. Christopher Platt. 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 You said Platt. You did say Platt. Damn. He does. No wonder he's not. No wonder he's not answering the Platt signal. He's big timing us, Ray. He's big timing us. It's it's me, Mario Melon Farmer. (laughs) I'd be worried about his ego if I knew he actually listened to the show. But Chris Pratt, thank you, Chris Pratt, uh, and Charlie Day have been tapped to play Mario and Luigi, respectively. Anya Taylor Joy is going to play Princess Peach. And Jack Black 
is going to be ta- is tabbed to play uh, Bowser, which I don't know how I feel about that. Like, it's like not surprising. You talk about cliche. We've been talking about cliches a lot today. Like, not surprising because it seems like kind of a fitting voice, but I'm not sure. I'm just kind of tired of Jack Black at this point. Seth Rogen is going to be Donkey Kong. Keegan-Michael Key is going to voice Toad. Fred Armisen is uh, voicing Cranky Kong. Kevin-Michael Richardson as Kamek. And Sebastian Maniscalco as Spike. I guess to me, what took him so long to make an animated Super Mario movie? This feels like it's long overdue. And Ray took his headset off, so I'm going to now, instead of going to Ray first, go to Dave. So, Dave, long overdue, what what are your thoughts about this cast and about a Super Mario movie? It can't be worse than the John Leguizamo, um, Bob Hoskins-led effort. Oh, no. It'll be much better than that. I, I You know why they're doing it? I don't know. I mean, you look at it, Super Mario Brothers is one of, if not the most popular video game franchises ever. Um, so the fact that they're actually doing something now, animation does seem to be making a bit of a resurgence. You know, we talked to, to Andrew Davis last week on the show about some of that stuff. Um, and, and it does seem, you know, you look at the DC animation, you look at what if and the success of that. So it seems like there's momentum building as far as animation is concerned to use that as a new medium to tell stories without people just automatically saying, oh, it's a cartoon. Now animation is being looked at as a more accepted, more mature variation of storytelling, which, of course, doesn't really jive with the whole Mario storyline, which is pretty adolescent in most regards. But they're obviously taking it seriously. When you look at that cast, you know, Christopher Platt notwithstanding, but Mr. Pratt, on the other hand, that's a that's a hell of a cast that they've put together for an animated movie. So they're clearly taking it seriously. As to why now, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, the, the Switch is still very popular, and I'm sure that re, you know has some resurgence in the whole thing, but um, you got me. Other than they think there's money to be made because it's all about that. That's, you know, like you put in the rundown reasons, money, and lots of it probably. How much money do you think this will make, AJ? How much money? Ooh, that's a, that's a good question. Well, and actually, here, I'll, I'll even give you context. Like, while you, you speculate, I'm going to look something up real quick. Well, I, I don't know about money-wise. You're you going to have to come back to me on that one later because it's not going to hit, like, endgame levels or Infinity War levels, but it's definitely going to be a good amount is what I'm going to say, definitely in the millions because it's Mario. Everyone from the, the crankiest of cranky people, and I don't just mean Platt, age-wise to the like people who are 12 years old all know who the hell mario is so sonic the hedgehog which was on a budget of 85 to 90 million raked in 319.7 million dollars at the box office as a worldwide total can it match that it will easily double it because it's mario Really? That, that, you think it's going to be a $650 million film? Just because it's Mario. You put that name on there, boom, instant money. People are going to be attached to it, whether it's good, bad, whatever. You know, you, you, you can bring John Leguizamo back and have, like, the shrunken head. It still said Super Mario on it. <laughs> That's true. That's but, true. Um, but it, it's still a star-studded cast. You know, we'll see how people are with the voices if you know you're gonna have chris 
Pratt go out and do an Italian accent or anything like that. I feel like there's too many cooks when it has Donkey Kong, Cranky Kong, and all of them, but that's that's probably just because you're pulling the cynic out of me here. Right. But other than that, um, yeah, without a doubt, I gotta say, it's, it's pretty entertaining. It should be good. It should rake in several hundred millions. Like I said, it might even double Sonic because people love Mario. People know who Mario is. And we'll see. That That's where I'm at with we'll see. And if it's bad, we have to all apologize to Bob Hoskins and uh, John Leguizamo. <laughs> right. I I, for shit, man. <laughs> I'll, I'll be the first to admit that I will, I will definitely be there probably opening weekend as the little O'Dowd is a huge fan of mario a huge fan of mario so ray yes do you you think super mario as as aj has predicted a super mario movie can make 650 million dollars at the box office i think it can make a billion oh you thought you thought black widow could make a billion so black widow was gonna make a billion it was not but okay like black widow made 650 in a pandemic yeah it wasn't gonna make a billion dollars anyway um, Black yeah, <laughs> Super Mario could make a lot of money, so, and so Charlie Day worked his entire career, like and like this is like you know how Goku became Gohan and then Super and all this stuff, like Charlie Day's greatest, his greatest evolution is Luigi. Like I feel like he was born to be Luigi, right? I don't get the Chris Chris Pratt thing. I don't get that. I don't get that's his a name. Sure, but there's a lot of other names that would make more sense than him, I think. Oh, the other voices right. make sense, although I would have liked to see Jack Black play Bowser Jr. That would have made more sense for his comedic stylings than to be the big... Because there's nothing funny about Bowser. You know? Yeah. But, um, but the rest of the cast is fantastic. And uh, Sonic has shown that these movies make a lot of money. There's been some other video game movies and stuff, and... and, and um, we're in the world of um, bringing things to live action. I think it's going to be fantastic. But the movie is going to live and die with Chris Pratt. The interesting thing to me is, that, like, where's the dialogue going to come from? Because the, the Sonic movie, while it came from the, there's no dialogue in the, mo- in the games, at least Sonic was put in a situation where he had to talk. What's the situation you're going to put Mario and Luigi in where there's dialogue? That's what I'm interested to see. Got to rescue Princess Peach, man. And if you get Chris Platt, he'll be like, one up, Melon Farmer. So, you know. <laughs> as long as it's not in Chicago, that wasn't just you. That's just, I, I was trying to think of any other platters I could think of. No, no. Let I let, let's go, Melon Farmer. <laughs> oh, gosh. This is what happens when Patrick walks. <laughs> okay. All right, well, let's get to the last topic we have on our rundown. It's been quite a show. I labeled this bullet, Marvel and DC are still dicks, because news released on Friday that Marvel is suing the heirs to some of the most well-known comic creators in order to keep major Marvel character rights. So... This is going in a couple of different directions, too, because there's there's a, there's two suits here. So the families of the iconic Marvel comic book writers and artists, Stan Lee, Steve Ditko, Don Heck, Gene 
Cullen and Don Rico have filed termination of copyright notices on the superheroes that those men helped create. Marvel, which Disney has owned since 2009, disagrees and has filed lawsuits against all five to keep the characters in the Marvel stable and keep making the company, and this time Ray is right, billions. Thank you. You're welcome. How did I know that dig was coming? Because uh, it's me. <laughs> so, Dick, you're the lawyer. You you rained on the parade. We all know this is going to get settled out of court. But tell us how and why it's going to get settled out of court. And then can we then can we all just talk about how Marvel and and Disney are dicks? Well, okay, <clears throat> we could talk. We could save that for the end. But I mean, here's the thing: is the article you sent in every video that got sent into my feed when this was going on establishes that there here's the problem is there's legal precedent in Marvel's favor involving the same attorneys in this lawsuit, no less. So they've already tried this with Superman and failed and DC comics prevailed on that thing. So to me, it's like the only thing that's changed really, because I don't, I, and I'm not an enter- entertainment lawyer, so I don't know about IPs, trademarks and patents. I don't know if the law, if there's been, cause the only reason you would try this suit again would be, a, there's been a change in the law, or B, this part is accurate. There's been a change in, the, like we talk about, the court of public opinion that you feel maybe gives you a chance to have a more sympathetic audience to your plight. And Marvel and Disney have come under fire because of the way that they have been dicking around content creators for quite some time. And maybe they think we stand a better chance with this lawsuit now than we did whenever the stuff with Superman was going on. Um, my thing is the family of Stan Lee is a concern to me because Stan Lee and his daughter did not get along well at all. And Stan Lee had a cameo in every fucking Marvel movie. So, you know, that if you were talking to Stan right now, he'd be the first one to say, I'm dismissing this bullshit lawsuit because I was in with these guys the whole way. So it is just as big a dick as Marvel and Disney might be to content creators, that aspect of the lawsuit is just screams total bullshit to me. Cause Stan Lee was involved in every aspect of the creation of the MCU. I don't think anybody's going to dispute that. So yeah, there, there's legal precedent facing them. Marvel saying, look, you guys were hired for a specific purpose and, and you gave us the rights and, and you know, this whole concept that they lasted for 35 years. Now we want the rights back. Uh, I think they're going to have some problems with that whole thing. Um, but yeah, like you're saying, it's going to settle out of court. The, the heirs are going to get some money and, and they deserve it. And, and I think that ties into your last part of this, but it's, it's, it's a difficult lawsuit for them to win, especially when you've got, <laughs> you've got legal precedent that already says, no, we've already decided this issue. It's got what we call in law. It's like a, almost a collateral estoppel effect. They've already determined this issue previously. So you're barred from raising it again. So I think that's kind of what they're they're facing right now. The uphill battle that the heirs are facing and why Marvel. Yeah, Marvel's going to sue because there's literally, like you said, Patrick and Ray, billions. You lose those characters, the MCU's done. And that's all there is to it. Yeah, I don't I don't see uh, I don't see Disney losing these characters either. Um Ray, what about you? What are, what are your thoughts on this lawsuit um, that will inevitably be settled out of court? So I know in reading the in reading the um, article that it says that 
content creators can can sue for their rights with the, at, at a minimum of 35 years. But the question that always comes to my mind in situations isn't if it's right or wrong, is why now, right? That's the thing that always crosses my mind. And maybe literally it's day one of their time period where they could, that they did it. But I always wonder why now, because in this sense, like this is a rights issue. And while do if I wrote if I wrote the book, Patrick O'Dowd hates Chicago, and and if I write if I write that book, but then I sell the rights of that to AJ Belaz and uh, Balls Deep Productions, like do I own the rights to that character that book and that character? No, I don't. While I'll always be the creator, I don't own the rights to it. So it's like I wonder. If I made a bad deal, that's on me. And that's not saying that out of the goodness of their heart, maybe they should break them some some kind of legacy money or um, uh, what's the term that we use in church for like a, a pastor is emeritus money, meaning like when the old pastor retires, but he's still active. The new pastor, they call him the pastor emeritus, right? Maybe you could break them off an emeritus fund, but you don't have any right to any of this. Because legally, it was transferred to the owner, Disney Enterprises and Marvel. So um, it blows me away when these situations come up, because it's like, why now? I don't, and 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 that may be a, the most ignorant thing we hear all day. And I apologize if it is, but why now? I can tell you why now, because the climate is extremely litigious right now. You got the Scarlett okay. Johansson lawsuit going on, okay. so the timing could never be right because the court of public opinion is looking at Disney and Marvel as cheap, greedy bastards. And that's why now it's like, hey, we've got, and, and that's what I was saying earlier, what has changed? What could you do to present this in a way that if you do get this in front of a jury, maybe they'll look at it differently. It is the public perception that Disney and Marvel are actively trying to basically suppress the rights and the financial, the compensation to content creators. So I think, Ray, that's the answer to your question. Why now? It's the perfect storm right now, the perfect environment going on to bring a suit like this right now. It is. And one more thing real quick before you take it away from me, Patrick. I don't think that, mm-hmm. that, that I don't, I mean, fair, as you should. I don't think that that statement is totally fair because they're, and I know that's what, that's just the, the list of what's being, uh, the list of, of what the the complaint or the whatever it is. But they're not taking money from content creators because the content creators don't own the creations of, of the content anymore. Like, it'd be different if they had a usage agreement where I own this character, but I'm allowing you to use it. Like Sony. Sony owns Spider-Man, but we have a deal where you can use it. That's a legitimate argument and, 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 and um, legal fight to me. But if I sold you my house, Dave, today, I got paid in full, everything went through. I can't come back at you 30 minutes, 30 out, thirty years later and say, hey, bro, I need my house back. I don't know how trademark and, and patent and stuff like that. Or may, there may be something on the books as far as that area of the be. law that allows them to do That's all I can think of. Yeah, it's got to be. Right. It's too weird. They gave all up right. their rights get for a period of time. Get in, get in there, AJ. I was about to say, because the other thing in the article that it says is, yeah, if if Disney wins, obviously everything's perfectly fine and everything Disney and Marvel. But even if the heirs win, 
Disney still has ownership. They still get the money from it. They still di- so what's the point? You can make like a legal deal or something like that and say like, "Hey, all right, fine. You want this squashed? You want this perfectly done? We'll pay you X amount of money for X amount of years and just just call it a day." Of course, not everyone's going to agree to that, but you know, add a couple of zeros, maybe a decimal point moved in a different direction. That works. So again, it's kind of I mean, Dave can say if I'm correct or not here, but it's kind of an invalid reason to do it because even if you win, you still lose a percentage. There's the sorry, Patrick, I don't mean to cut you off, but just to answer AJ, the reason they're doing it is because they're looking for the out of court settlement. We're going to institute this litigation in the hopes that Disney will settle with us, give us more money, try and maybe compensate us a bit more, and then we'll go away. It's a strategic it's litigation used for a specific purpose, which we've talked about many times now with the Scarlett Johansson lawsuit. Well, and, and let's be fair here, because the last paragraph, I think, makes makes the best point in sort of wrapping this up. It says more more likely the case will ultimately be about pay, paying people some kind of fair compensation for turning Marvel into a billion dollar company, which Disney has no desire to do. And in parentheses, for all you content creator fans, remember, Disney reportedly has been paying creators $5,000 for work it's made those billions on. And so there are the argument here is that this is unfair, it's immoral, and purely greedy. The company has more than enough money to make all of these creators rich without coming close to losing any sort of a profit. And so in a best case scenario, Marvel gives these folks as little as possible to make these legal annoyances go away, which is what Dave said. Uh, And it won't be nearly as much as the company could and should give them, but at least it'll be something. So they are, they're going to pay as little as they can to make this go away. And then they'll go back to, to cranking out movies. And here's the thing is I love us on this show um, because we'll talk about the hypocrisy of all. Uh, but guess who's going to see the Eternals as soon as he can? Guess, guess who's going to go see Venom and Carnage as soon as he can? Guess who's going to go see Spider-Man No Way Home as soon as he can? <laughs> like, we're all going to help feed that beast. And, yeah, and so that's, that is the thing. Is like, like, like this, these stories fascinate me, uh, but it does just show kind of the dirty side of... The, the you know these production companies and Disney and Marvel kind of catching the brunt of it because they're the they're the big dog, but it's 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 just it, it feels it feels gross on a certain level that they could really do more for these 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 people and their families than what they're doing because they know they don't have to and they know that and they know that they're going to be able to walk away from this with minimal loss. Um, when even if they paid people what they were worth, they would they would make great they would still make great profits for the company and, and continue to go forward. So, all right, I think that's enough downers for the day. It's that point in the show where we listen to Is SpongeBob. Is an instrument? What a go jellyfishing? What am I supposed to do all day while you're at school? Can I use your bathroom? Who's your friend? What does claustrophobic mean? <laughs> you know what the problem is? 
All right, that sound means that it's time for Patrick O'Dowd has a question. Uh, I'm going to preface this question by telling a little story of where this this one came from. So myself and the little O'Dowd, we read chapter books before bedtime. That's part of our routine. And we're currently reading the uh, series, The Trials of Apollo, which are a series of books written by Rick Reardon, who uh, most people know for his work on the Percy Jackson stories, Percy Jackson, The Lightning Thief. This is actually... Um, this character and and this universe that he's created actually spans multiple series of novels, um, and we're up to book nine out of fifteen, like it's or ten out of fifteen or something like that. It's it's quite quite the saga. And in the midst of this first book that we're reading in the Trials of Apollo, one of the characters that we have grown to appreciate and love has turned and betrayed uh, the god Apollo in this story and so it got me to thinking and led me to this week's patrick o'dowd has a question in either television comic book any sort of entertainment that you want what would you say in your opinion was the greatest betrayal you've ever seen or read your favorite betrayals and to give you a couple minutes to think on that i'll give you my two my first one uh, comes from Game of Thrones, and even though I saw it in the books, uh, I knew it was coming in the books, and then saw it on the screen. The Red Wedding is one of the great scenes of betrayal of all time. It rips your heart out. It's crushing. In the world of comic books, the Illuminati blasting Hulk into space, uh, and boy, were there some consequences to that story. But the betrayal itself uh, of shooting Banner into space because they believed him to be too much of a danger to Earth and inadvertently then creating Hulk being too big of a danger to Earth is two of my favorite acts of betrayal in the world of entertainment. One from, you know, a literature slash uh, a TV series and one from the comics. So great acts of betrayal in entertainment. Who wants to go? I'll go first. I got two. All right, Ray. Um, and, you know, would you say that the greatest, maybe one of them you could put in the conversation, comic-wise. The other one was just really big for the show at the time. The big one is Terra and the Teen Titans. That's huge, right? And um, thankfully, with DC's animated universe being so good, we got a chance to see it happen, right, in the movie and even in Young Justice. But the way she's, she's a child manipulated by Deathstroke because Deathstroke hates these kids so fucking much that he would literally like groom and, and defile the child to train her to. Yes. It's a horrible story, but it's just, it's so good. in it's awfulness. The other one is maybe the most underrated comic book TV show of all time. The one that Marvel gives no love to agents of shield. Grant Ward. Yeah, Turning on the team hurt. It really hurt. And I'm the, I'm a guy that doesn't care. Like I'm I'm a fan of the bad guys anyway. I'm a heel fan. It that was a that was a punch in the stomach. That was a legitimate punch in the stomach. Uh, to see him be crooked. And yeah, Agents of Shield doesn't get anywhere near the love it deserves because it's the uh, pardon the pun, but the redheaded stepchild of the MCU. Uh, but man, spending that whole season, almost two seasons, building Grant up as like the good guy 
who brings Daisy to, or at, at the time she was still Sky, to get and they fall in love and all this and that. And then, you know, when uh, so, um, a soldier happens and then Hydra's back and, oh, yeah, we need you, son. Ooh, just it hurts. Huh. Well, I my brain's not working so well, but two that jumped to my mind real quick. One's real, real recent. Niles Calder's revelation at the end of season one to his team that he's the reason for their demise is That's a pretty big betrayal. Uh, the other one that comes to mind, thinking about it and stuff that's coming up in the, in the future, Cypher's betrayal of everybody in the Matrix is a major betrayal where you realize he sold them all out. And not only does he betray them, but he kills several of the members. That's like Ray's talking about betrayals that hurt. That's one that, that kind of really kicks you in the nuts and, and leaves you saying, oh, that really sucks. Um, that's all I can think of. AJ? Uh, I mean, the Red Wedding, definitely. The other Game of Thrones one I can think of off the top of my head is Jon Snow in the Night's Watch. That's mm-hmm. another that's another like big, deep uh, betrayal that went on. You know, everyone from the Night's Watch stabbing Jon Snow for the Night's Watch or the Night's Watch. Even Ollie doing it, too. Another one, and it shows how nerdy I actually am because I've watched this entirety along with the spinoff of one of the characters from uh, Buffy, the Vampire Slayer, where Giles actually took, it takes away Buffy's Slayer powers. Oh, yeah. That, too, where, you know, it's like, really, you? Every Slayer on their 18th birthday needs this shot. Took it away. That's so. true. What what about you talk about spinoffs? Wesley stealing the baby, stealing Angel's baby. Yes, that's Angel. That was a hell of a betrayal as well. All right, excellent choices, guys. Well done, well done. That's gonna do it though for this week's edition of Bandwagon Nerds. Before we go, let's do a quick once around. Tell everybody out there in the world where they can find you on the socials this year, this week. Ray, you can kick us off. Well, thank you for uh, allowing me to pontificate. You can find me at Phenomenal AJB. Why, 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 why be quiet? I don't know. I can't imagine why. I don't know. That's, that's it? That's what you got? That's are you, all? Are you waiting for something else? Your, your actual Twitter handle? <laughs> oh, you're right. My bad. At The Real C Platt. Gotcha. Um, keep going. Wrong I'm, black guy. Oh, ha! <laughs> you're right. My bad. I get as confused sometimes. I'm at It's Ray Cash. That's R E Y as in Mysterio, C A S H as in Dollars. That's Excellent. my burning. David, Un- David Ungar. Oh, you can check me out on Twitter at Attitude Ag. That is at Attitude A G G. And on Facebook.com slash Attitude of Aggression. And of course, make sure that all your hate tweets are set to It's at It's Me DPP. So. Excellent. Mr. Dan gets so Black much Blaz. hate between all of his friends. Oh, my goodness. Know, right? It is it is kind of rough. Mr. Belaz. Uh, you can find me at Phenomenal AJB, AJB in all caps. If you want to see or, well, not really see, listen to the voice that you hear, go check out the DWI podcast every Saturday with the hate mail gatherer dpp over there and pct pc tunny in the alphabet soup known as the dwi podcast excellent thank you very much for joining us on the show pinch hitting you're welcome to come back anytime 
and we um, will be happy to have you join the bandwagon. You can follow me on the Twitter at Wrestling Realist. That is at W-R-E-S-T-L-N-G-R-E-A-L-I-S-T. Also be sure to follow the show at Bandwagon Nerds. I dropped a ton of the trailers that we saw on the Netflix streaming uh, event yesterday in that Twitter thread. We're trying to keep that as up-to-date as we can. Be sure to follow it as we'll keep being active as much as possible. That's going to do it for this week's edition of Bandwagon Nerds. Thank you, everyone, so much for listening. Now get yourself out of the basement, get some sun, and check out To Done on uh, YouTube and see all the exciting things that are coming on Netflix. You've been listening to Bandwagon Nerds on the ChairShot Radio Network, a part of the ChairShot.com. Pleasure to meet you. Uh, is, is he here? Is who here? Henderson. <laughs> Henderson. He's back. He's back. I'm back. You got the job. I got the job. Yay. Oh. How many children are you friends with? I don't know. I just feel like you're trying way too hard, man. Well, not everyone can have your perfect hair, all right? It's not about the hair, man. The key with girls is just, just acting like you don't care. Even if you do? Yeah, exactly. It drives them nuts. Fabergé. What? It's Fabergé Organics. Use the shampoo and the conditioner, and when your hair is damp, it's not wet, okay, when it's damp. Damp. You do four puffs of the Farrah Fawcett spray. Farrah Fawcett spray? Yeah, Farrah Fawcett. You tell anyone I just told you that, and your ass is grass, you're dead, Henderson. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.